This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Happy Friday, everybody. What is going on? And welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily heading into the weekend and not just any weekend, Banjo Bowl weekend and the first full Sunday of NFL action. Great to have you with us. Andrew Patterson, Michael Remus here, and we are packed today with the Banjo Bowl being played tomorrow afternoon here in Winnipeg. We're going to be joined by Commissioner Randy Ambrosi to uh, talk a little bit about the Bomber Rider rivalry, what's going on here in Winnipeg, and find out uh, what else is uh, going on with the CFL from coast to coast. Looking forward to that. And we cannot have a Friday show heading into the Banjo Bowl without the man who basically invented the Banjo Bowl. That, of course, is Troy Westwood. Looking forward to having Westy on as well. Ken Weeb coming up a little later on. NFL Week 1 with Lee Hacksaw Hamilton and a visit from Brandon Rowicki. It is going to be a real busy show. Buckle up. Great to have you all with us. Everyone on YouTube, thanks for joining us live. Hit that red subscribe button if you haven't already. And make sure you hit that thumbs up and shout out to all the podcast listeners. Great to have you with us as well. And a special thanks to everyone that jumped on our Winnipeg Sports Talk Jets pack on day number one. Incredible response from everyone. Really appreciate that. We'll talk about it a little later on in the show. But if you're at right now and you want to check it out, winnipegjets.com slash WST. All the information is there. We'll talk about it a little later on in the show. Big thanks to all the sponsors that make this show happen as well, including Cool Bet Canada, Princess Auto, Modern Man Barbershop, Aquatech, Manitoba Battery and Canadian Club, Vita Health, Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, Nick & Nicky DQ Group, Consolidated Supply, BP Royal Sports, Little Brown Jug, Aikens Lake, Breezy Bend, and our friends at Assiniboia Downs. Michael Remus, the weekend is just about here. Well, we will do marbles later on. Marbles are back as well. Um, we've got a football game from last night to get to, a big one tomorrow to set up, and uh, we have some Jets nuggets coming back. Are the insiders oh, back at work? The insiders are back. Yeah, we have the Bombers depth chart. Uh, I mean, no surprises based on the report that Greg McRae was sent down to the practice squad. It will be Jamal Parker doing kick return and punt return duties. But yes, we did have some Jets news. One, Young Stars roster is out, and I posted a video of you and Marat saying players, um, players you want to see, and uh, you know the players they listed. The Jets, you know, former first round picks Lambert, Lucius, and this year's Colby Barlow. However, the insider—it's September. The insiders are back from the cottage, back from the lake, and work on the phones. And Elliot Friedman. Dropped a couple nuggets today on 32 Thoughts. It's been very quiet about Connor Hellbuck and Mark Shafley after what? It was supposed to be summer of Chevy. Now, he made the Dubois trade, but every day, I mean, we talked about Mark Shafley, I think, every, every day in the summer, and it was great. But now uh, he had some uh, information about Hellbuck. We thought, you know, there was the report in The Athletic that he wasn't going to resign with the Jets, but seems like there's going to be some conversations and you know maybe it's possible something gets worked out we'll have to wait and see but we'll all let me can get to these elliot clips yeah and listen we've got such a busy show we are going to get into that listen i already see in the chat yes i know the chiefs are dead last in the 
NFL. Where's your Chiefs gear? possession at 0-1. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll talk more NFL when Brandon comes on as well as with Hacksaw. But yes, Kadarius Tony. I don't know how you bounce back from a game like that. Um, but it was fun. Dan Campbell, big brass ones too. I mean, fake punt from his own 20 in the first half of game number one of the season. Heck of a start to the season, although I did not like the result. Um, by the way, just finished up our uh, first NFL Friday in the lock shop. So uh, check out the lock shop pod or the replay over on Edmonton Sports Talk for uh, all of those goodies and our picks heading into uh, the week. But yeah, Remo, we're going to spend quite a bit of time talking banjo bowl and football. So let's get right into this news from Elliot Friedman. And um, we'll just get right to it. The first, the first one is what you just sort of alluded to. Um, you know, it has been reported that Connor Hellebach will not resign with the Winnipeg Jets. And this is his final here in Winnipeg. According to Elliot Friedman, not disputing that, shall we say, but essentially saying that, you know, Hellebuck's going to get here to Winnipeg. Will Meaden is still maintaining an open mind. Here's what uh, sports insider Elliot Friedman had to say on that. The one thing I've heard interesting about Hellebuck is I've heard that there's going to be a conversation between Hellebuck and the Jets whenever he gets there. And... The one thing somebody told me is, as the summer has progressed, there seems to be some thought that it's not impossible Hellebuck could stay there. And, you know, I don't want people to get carried away too late, probably. I don't want to say anything with any finality there, but I do think there's going to be a conversation there about okay, now that's been a few months and everybody's had a summer to think about things, you know, where are we and what is everybody thinking? And I've just been told that the word on Hellebuck is he has an open mind and he's prepared to just listen to what they're thinking. All right, so there's Elliot Friedman. That's an interesting report. And listen, I'm here for it. Um, You know, I know... uh, Listen, I, I've maintained for a long time. I think Connor Hellebuck's the best player that wears a Winnipeg Jets jersey. I think it would be a huge loss if he was to move on. If he is to move on, you, know, you hope the Winnipeg Jets can get top value for him. But to me, the best case scenario for Winnipeg is having Connor Hellebuck stick around beyond this year. For how long? I mean, that is certainly up for discussion. Do you do a super long max eight-year deal? A higher term, shorter deal? I, up for all the discussions, but I'm just happy to hear Elliot saying that that could potentially still be on the table. And, um, you know, certainly I think that'll change some of the discourse and maybe the narrative around Hellebuck going into the season. If in fact there is an open mind about that Remo, grab clip number four, uh, because two and three, I think we'll play a little later on when Ken's on with us and we can get into that a little bit more. He'll have some great insight on that. Um, but that's the latest on Hellebuck, according to Elliot Friedman. Friedman also touched on Mark Shifley's situation heading into training camp in the upcoming season. Shifley, I don't know. I, I'm not as sure about that one. Again, you know, the one thing I would just say about Shifley is I think the Jets know internally that centers are hard to find. 
they thought and they hoped that Shifley and Dubois would be their center duo for a long time. Oh, yeah. Dubois is gone. And I think this is a very fair question for the organization to ask. I have heard that they have kind of indicated if they go from Dubois and Shifley to no Dubois and Shifley, they better make sure if they're making that trade, they get a replacement. So, you know, that's I think that's a very fair thing for them to think of. All right. So there's uh, Elliot Freeman on Shifley's situation. And uh, I, I mean, at some point, you know, whether it is now early in the season at the trade deadline, you know, if Mark Shifley is no longer a Winnipeg Jet, there's some big choices, you know, for Kevin Sheveldayoff as to what they're demanding. Right now, as this team with Connor Hellebuck presently on the squad, you know, wants to contend, wants to be a playoff uh, team, wants to have an opportunity to get into the playoff tournament and uh, see what happens. You know, if they do make a deal early on, according to Elliot, you know, they're going to need some replacement at that center hole. And I don't think that's necessarily newsroom. I mean, we have definitely heard that throughout the summer that the Winnipeg Jets aren't looking to just trade these players all for future assets and whatnot. And it's very clear that, you know, already having lost Dubois, been a lot of talk about, you know, what's happening in the two-hole. You know, if Mark Scheifele is no longer a Winnipeg Jet at some point, it does leave a massive hole up front in that top six. And, they're going to have to have a plan to fill that hole if they do want to maintain being competitive this season. It seems like the Jets do want to maintain competitive. The talk we heard all season or all off summer was, you know, they want to get players who can play in the lineup and help them continue to try and win. And they certainly did that with the Dubois trade, getting Gabe Velarde as the centerpiece, but two other players in Alex Iafal and Rasmus Kupari who can certainly help. And Neil Pionk on this show yesterday had some great insight on his former college teammate, I follow. So, I mean, imagine going from, you know, you've got these two number one centers, one, two, Shafley Dubois, to, you know, not Shafley and Dubois. Well, who's going to play center? You know, and the basic conversation now, since the Dubois trade, is, well, who's the Jets' number two center? And a twisted cannon to an 18 minute answer on it a couple weeks ago. So, um, I, I, I'm not sure what they're going to do. They're certainly in a tough spot. I, yeah, I think maybe you could work out an extension with one of them because they just seem to be married to each other and a lot of teams don't have the flexibility that the Jets would. So uh, Connor Helbeck, you know that, but he's a game breaker. He's one of the top goalies in the league. But the conversation has been for us, do you want to pay a goalie who's 30, you know, long-term deal? And you're kind of seeing now, we saw Jake Sanderson yesterday just finish his rookie season, get an eight-year deal, and teams are now realizing, hey, you know, you want to lock up the guy's you know, during or after their ELCs, not you know when they're finally eligible for a free agency. So uh, th- these two contracts, I think, will be fascinating. What happens in the off season, or maybe during the season, we'll have to see. Yeah, no doubt about that. You know what? We'll uh, we'll pick this up with Rewiki as well as Ken Weeb a little bit later on in the program. But we do have Commissioner Randy Ambrosi coming up as well as a banjo bowl e visit of the one and only Troy Westwood. Listen, before we get to the commissioner, and again, we will talk more about our Winnipeg Jets pack that we launched yesterday, if you missed it, a little later on when we get back into Jets talk with the fellas. Uh, But before we bring in the commish, a big thanks to Modern Man Barbershops, now with eight locations in Winnipeg, including the two newest locations in Winnipeg, Pemina Highway, right by Bishop, and out on the east side on Plessy Road. Modern Man 
has you covered, fellas, with a variety of grooming services, including great haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. You can make an appointment and book your look via modernmanbarber.com and give them a follow on Instagram as well, at modernmanbarbershops. Well, pool season, unfortunately, is coming to an end, at least of the outdoor variety, uh, but you can make plans on 2024 to take the plunge with Aquatech at aqua-tech.ca. But right now, maybe it's time to think about your home. Are you ready to enhance your kitchen, bathroom, or even add a man cave to your home? Visit aqua-tech.ca to learn more about their whole home renovations, including financing options, as Aquatech has thousands of rentals as their foundation and can upgrade any space in your home. Again, pop into Aquatech to discuss more or check them out online at aqua-tech.ca. <clears throat> Big weekend coming up. Maybe you tailgaters are going to need some batteries to power some great outdoor fun heading into the big game. Of course, there's still some time to take advantage of this great weather. And with that, you need batteries. And Manitoba Battery is the ultimate battery store featuring the best prices in town, beating the pants off the big box stores and the best, most convenient service, including free delivery anywhere in the city of Winnipeg inside the perimeter with any purchase over 60 bucks. It's really that simple. Head on over to manitobabattery.com and order online and let Donnie and his great staff give you the best deal in town and send it to you on them. You can also give them a phone call and do the same thing or pop in and see them in person at Manitoba Battery at 1026 Logan Avenue. And hey, speaking of tailgates, you might want to pop by your local Manitoba Liquor Mart today to get the great taste of Canadian Club the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. There'll be plenty of that being poured at IG Field tomorrow as well. And hey, if you're looking for a great addition to the beers in the cooler for the tailgate, why not dive into a little Canadian club and ginger ale? Premixed cocktail, now available in 473 milliliter cans at Liquor Marts and at your local beer vendors. And you'll see a lot of those white and green cans not supporting the riders, but CC and Ginger's being enjoyed by Bomber fans tomorrow. Of course, CC as well. Throughout IG Field is the official sponsor of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. All right, Westy coming up. Some more Jets talk with Ken Weeb and Brandon Rewicki. NFL with Hacksaw. But right now, let's welcome in for Banjo Bowl weekend, the commissioner of the Canadian Football League, Randy Ambrosi. Commish, what's going on? Welcome back to the program. How are you? Yeah, it's great to be on. And they were just off of one of the great Labor Day weekends of all time. And... Had a great uh, start to the season. I'm doing great because there are so many amazing um, positive signals for our league. And now we're heading into what should be just a phenomenal weekend of football. Oh, there's no doubt about that. Let's quickly go back to last weekend. Uh, I mean, some, especially in the West, I mean, a couple absolute barn burners. And I'm sure there's people, the majority of our audience here in Winnipeg that didn't love the final score. Uh, but holy smokes, you got some uh, incredible drama for the television audience and the fans that showed up for those big games on Labor Day weekend. You know, one of the things that made me uh, smile at the end of uh, at the end of the game, the the Riders Bombers game, is I was walking back to the hotel. I was in uh, I was in Regina, and I was walking back, and I was walking back with a lot of Bomber fans. You know, kind of coming up, uh, you know, on Bomber fans, and uh, boy, I'll tell you, what a great group! And and they were. 
you know, they were all to a person disappointed they lost, but they acknowledged that it is just a spectacular game and they got to see something special. And, uh, and you know what, that's one of the qualities of our league that I love the most. You can, you can be a passionate fan, but in the end, you love good football. And, and you know what it also says, it just, our spans are, they're football smart. They're football smart. They, they appreciate good product and that's what we gave them. Uh, I mean, it was, it had a little bit of everything. Um, and part of it is, in my opinion, um, the best rivalry in the Canadian Football League. And I know there's a bunch that will contend for it. But, I mean, if you were there in Regina on Labor Day weekend, you certainly saw it firsthand. And, you know, as the Banjo Bowl grows as an event, it'll be on full display tomorrow. But um, that's got to be that's got to be so great for the Canadian Football League when you have these annual games um, but a legitimate rivalry that's competitive, but also incredibly fun off the field. Yeah, it is. And I think the spirit of it is fun. Uh, you know, look, the, the people of uh, Regina welcomed Bomber fans. And, you know, I was in the uh, I was in the festival area before the game and there were a lot of Bomber fans. I, in fact, I took a I, I had the pleasure to take a picture with a good big group of Ryder fans with their watermelon uh outfits and i was standing with you know we were we were jammed in there with a bunch of great bomber fans and everybody was welcome but boy you're right the rivalry is special it is certainly um it is certainly a intense rivalry and uh, and now the back-to-back game I mean, this is going to be a special game on the weekend and one that I, I know all CFL fans are, are looking forward to. Bomber, bomber fans and Ryder fans are especially looking forward to it, but everyone who's a football fan should want to see that game. You know, I, I, I got to tell you, the, um, the move here in Winnipeg to move the Banjo Bowl from Sunday head-to-head with week one of the National Football League to Saturday, I, I think it worked on a number of levels. First of all, for Saskatchewan fans, I, there's far more of them that actually make the trip to come in because it's not a long weekend. They've got a, got a day to come back. Um, but how pleased are you with the way the schedule has worked? Because at the end of the day, I think the majority of people are football fans. They're going to be fired up for NFL on Sunday. They certainly are fired up for the big games on Saturday. And the ability to watch it all as football fans on one of the most fun weekends, I think, is... Um, a move that continues to pay dividends for the CFL. Yeah, you're right. Well, you know, let's go back to this, this schedule itself. Look, I think this summer, the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday was a home run. And I have had so many people just say, oh my gosh, just love the fact that I had four days in a row, one game. It was, and look, our TV ratings in the 25 to 54 category up almost 30%. Uh, you know, so many things that we are measuring and that are important to our future are pointing up. So the schedule itself was a huge success. As it relates to uh, playing this game on a Saturday, and I believe it's a really smart decision. Look, what we know is this. Football fans are football fans. Our product, there are three things, fun, fast, and entertaining. You can watch other football. You watch the CFL because it delivers all three phases of the game, offense, defense, and special teams, you know when the ball is being kicked, whether it's on a kickoff, and you've got a very good chance of something exciting happening. You On the punt, you have a very good chance. We have some amazing returners in our league. Everything about our game is fun, fascinating. We want to capture the entire universe of football fans and have them watch us 
uh, because we're uh, what we've got is something very special. Um, you know, Randy, as we go into the Banjo Bowl tomorrow and, um, you know, I just talked about how this game has built momentum year over year over year. And I think this game has been sold out for the better part of a month, which I think is the earliest sellout they've had. And we've been paying attention to, you know, the demand for tickets on the resale market this week, which is not something that we've really talked a lot in the past. So everything is trending incredibly well for this game. And I think a big part of that is both what the Bombers have done on the field, but also off the field. You've been watching this is obviously very, um, you know, it's important to the league to have your team step forward. What can you say about just the, what the Bombers have done over the last five to 10 years and how they have, you know, gone from a pretty tough situation into arguably the model franchise in the Canadian football league. Yeah, you you know, look, there is no doubt and there will be uh, there's no real debate that what's happened in Winnipeg is special. You know, I, I think you got to start at the very top and you got to you got to look at a, at a board of governors that have been very effective, very supportive. Uh, then you, you got to your next stop has to be with Wade Miller and you got to look at what Wade has done and how hard he has worked and how how methodical he has been, how it how much attention every detail he has brought. And then you look at uh, Kyle Walters and Mike O'Shea and you kind of say, wow, it's a pretty cool organization uh, up and down, top to bottom. And that doesn't even begin to start. And then you got to start talking about players. You got to, you know, you got pretty good quarterback. I don't know if you've noticed, but you got a pretty good quarterback there in Zach Kalaros. And then you got players like Adam Big Hill and Willie Jefferson. And I, and I could go on and on like an amazing group of receivers but it's all connected to, to two different ideas that I think are special and Winnipeg helps to model. Our game, our product is fun, fast, and entertaining. And every one of those players I just mentioned, they fit perfectly in that model. And then our connection to the community is so reason to watch, fun, fast, and entertaining, reason to care, our connection to the community. And the Bombers do both of those exceptionally well. Um, Randy Abrosi, CFL commissioner with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk as we get ready for the Banjo Bowl kickoff Saturday afternoon, 3 p.m. at IG Field. And things will get going a couple hours early over there in the uh, Princess Auto tailgate zone. Um, Randy, it, it was just back to tomorrow's game. Um, Pete Robertson is suspended for the game. And, and you know, we obviously talked about the play, and that's um, <laughs> you guys made a decision on that. He's been suspended for the game. Just wanted to ask you, about how all that works when an incident like that happens. Um, does that go to um, the uh, uh, officiating department of the league, or is that a decision that ultimately lies with the commissioner? Well, under the terms of our constitution, the ultimate authority for discipline rests with the commissioner. And so in that case, I, I have to make the final decision, but it really, uh, it starts with our officiating crew because they will, um, you know, they do a, a, a recap of the game that report goes obviously to the foot, head of football operations, to Greg Dick and his group. They start the investigation. Look, I, I think we can clearly say that uh, we would have, uh, that we should have had that player ejected. We, we know that uh, to Greg Dick's infinite credit, to Darren Hackwood's, uh, Darren's responsible for officiating, we, we, now, we now know we should have ejected the player for that particular play. It didn't happen. There's a, there's a learning there and we'll improve. 
But once the once the incident is in the hands of the football operations department, they start what we call the the pursuit of a it's called a decision tree, and it basically takes it takes into account a whole bunch of factors, and it, it it's very it's very methodical, and it gives a recommendation for a potential discipline. Then there's a hearing, and there was a hearing held. We're looking at two things as it relates to this phase. We're looking at the player's track record. Is there a history of um, of incidents? And the other is just uh, what I might call a, a sense of awareness of what's happened. And uh, you can kind of fall into one of two categories, you know, remorse and contrition on one end of the continuum. And um, uh, I don't have a clue what I did wrong on the other end. Of the other continuum, and then that then that uh, leads to a recommendation to me, and one that uh, you know I make the final decision on. The thing that's important is you know look we aren't running uh, we're not running a kangaroo court here. Uh, we apply we apply a lot of discipline and a lot of process to this. Why? Because nobody wants us to act in anger. Nobody wants us to be you know to be subject to the vagaries of noise. We we have to. We have to be thoughtful. We have to be disciplined in the way we pursue the discipline. And um, I think, you know, frankly, a real, real credit to Greg Dick and his crew. And in this case, it, it appears for the most part that uh, people think we we largely got that right. And I hope we. I hope the one thing that I'm hoping more hoping for more than anything is that everyone understands. That has no place in our game. That has absolutely zero place in our game, and we can't allow that kind of thing to uh, to happen in our league. And and um, and and that's what uh, we'll talk about this off season. Is you know do we need to do we need to think about intensifying our focus on that kind of after the play behavior that bears no resemblance to the quality of our product. Um, Randy, uh, I appreciate you kind of, you know, explaining how all that works. Uh, there was no appeal in this case, but if a team or a player, I guess the CFLPA wants to appeal, does that appeal go to you or is that an appeal to a third party? How does that work? Well, there can actually pursue one of two paths. It can be appealed to an arbitrator and, uh, and there can be appealed directly <coughs> to the commissioner. In this case, no appeals been, um, been filed. Um, Randy, I, I've got to ask you about um, the league overall. We've got nine teams, and I know it's a quest of yours and many people that love this game to get to 10 and have it truly be coast to coast. How was Touchdown Atlantic this year, and uh, what can you tell us about the uh, the pursuit of uh, Team 10 out on the East Coast? Yeah, well, uh, Touchdown Atlantic was amazing, and we were so welcomed and there was a, a remarkable atmosphere in Halifax and all over the Maritimes um, that during that week. And, you know, again, uh, both the riders and the Argos did an amazing job of, of, uh, of representing our league, in, you know, as the two as the two opponents in that game. Look, there's a lot of really positive things going on in uh, Atlantic Canada as it relates to our game. Ultimately, I think we've made real progress. We are having conversations that lead me to believe that there's a, a real chance that we can get this done. But, uh, you know, football fans know that you can, uh, if you're down by six and you're marching the ball, you can get all the way from your 20 to the red zone. But if you don't score, you don't score. So this is one of those times that, uh, you know, close 
How does that phrase go? Close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. Yeah. <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that the right expression? So close, close isn't what we're looking for. Done is what we're looking for. And I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm hopeful. We're certainly talking to the right people. And now we got to see if we can take that next big step. Uh, Randy Ambrosi's with us. Uh, Randy, I kind of touched on this briefly when we were talking about the schedule, but I wanted to dive into it a little bit more. I mean, takeaways from the first, you know, two thirds of the season. Um, but if you could start with the TV results, ratings that you've got, what um, it was a really interesting move? I know we haven't had any Sunday games here in Winnipeg, but it sure has been fun to uh, watch them on the tube. How have things gone with your TV partners this year and uh, the ratings for people tuning into CFL football? Yeah, well, I was with uh, Stu Johnson, the president of TSN, just uh, about 10 days ago, and it was a really nice time to be together because we spent uh, considerable time just talking about just how spectacular the ratings have been, how great the product has been. The games have been fun, fast, and exciting and entertaining. Uh, I think that, you know, there's a lot of reason to feel really good. Look, again, you have to step back from it all and say, look, the, the real credit begins always begins with our governors who even even the, you know through the pandemic and those more difficult days were thinking about the future of the league and they were making investments in in uh, in our business you know investing in our in our uh, ability to reach out to fans to connect with fans you know the, the, you yourself you know here we are on the show Think about how much the media has changed. So we haven't taken a back seat to the media change. We haven't taken a back seat to the changing landscape. What we did is started to invest in different ways of communicating, different ways of reaching our fans. And I think we're starting to see, you know, we're starting to see the byproduct of all of those efforts. And again, starts with the governors, the investments they're making. And then you look at our team presidents, you know, Wade and his colleagues and the work they're doing. Hey, it was not that long ago. You know this. It wasn't that long ago that the first question I got asked pretty much every interview is, what are you going to do about your about your major markets? Because they're behind. And all of a sudden today, here we are. Pierre Carl Palado joins the joins the family this winter. And what a what a uh, what an amazing thing that is to have Pierre Carl in Montreal and and then, you know, go across to B.C. and what Amar Doman, <coughs> excuse me, is doing there and then Toronto and um there's an energy in Toronto. If you watched that game a week ago last Friday, uh, you know, that game, Calgary, Toronto was spectacular. There was a much bigger crowd. There's a lot of energy there. They just signed a, a, they just signed their contract to a long-term contract. There's, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, boy, a shout out to Bill Manning, a shout out to Chris Schufeld, a shout out to Michael Clements, a great coaching staff and a great team. There's good things happening across the country. But our major markets are now, you know, really uh, heading in the right direction. So, boy, there's lots of reasons to get up and smile these days. Uh, you know, listen, I mean, I think everyone that, you know, that loves this league and wants it to be healthy and happy to see things getting better. And and listen, as much as we in Winnipeg love to see the Edmonton team that was so good for so long lose a bunch of games, it was concerning, you know, to see kind of the direction of, uh, of you know, where that team was. But it's amazing what a couple wins will do, huh? Um, you know, we had Dustin Nielsen who was doing the game, and obviously I do a lot of work with him. Um, he said that, you know, when the Elks finally won that home game and that, you know, that streak that went on forever, he said that was like a real special moment. And all of a sudden you've got a talented young quarterback there, a little bit of belief going forward after such a, 
such an unfortunate time for that franchise. And I'm sure from your perspective, I mean, a healthy Edmonton Elks team, very important for the CFL. Well, it sure is. And it's not just Edmonton. Look, you, you, you know, what you know is this, not everyone's going to win the great cup in a year. Um, it's one team is going to win and eight teams aren't, uh, where you get frustrated or a little concerned is when teams have, you know, not just, uh, disappointing records, but terrible records. And you know that if, if they do that more than one season in a row, that starts to, you know, really, that starts to weigh on the fan base. Look, I, I think in Edmonton, what's really, what's really uh, cause for optimism, it's a big fan base, uh, but they also have an expectation for a certain level of performance. Uh, you know, th- that's what happens when you're, when you're the city of champions, right? As they were long noted, uh, but it's also a sports town, a lot, a lot like Winnipeg. It's a sports town. They love their sports, and they, but they but they have a high they have a high high standard of expectation there. So look, I, I Rick Lawlisher's in the seat now. I'm really happy to see Rick there. Um, you know, the, Tom Richards uh, as the chair of their board. There, there's a lot of really good things happening. And then you nailed it, young phenomenal quarterback Trey Ford, and you got that reason to believe that's uh, that's a powerful combination. Well, not to mention young, but a Canadian quarterback, too. And we saw what Nathan Rourke did last year. I mean, that that's one thing that we didn't see for a long, long time in this league. And I think it certainly bodes well for the future of the CFL. Commissioner Randy Ambrosi is with us. Um, Randy, what are the challenges right now? We've talked a lot about the real positives. Um, I know that there was, I mean, the stats issue was something I'm sure that kept you up at night at, uh, at times. I mean, uh, when you look at, you know, going back to work next week, what are the things that um, you're focused on improving or uh, maybe your goals for the rest of this year? Yeah, well, look, it's uh, it's about executing on our plan. And and really, that's what the board uh, of governors are holding me accountable for, is we have a business plan and they want us to deliver on that plan. I really um, I'm really pleased with the with our working relationship with this is an amazing board. They have set high expectations for us. Uh, I am, you know, I hold myself and our team accountable to those, uh, you know, to the plan that we've uh, got in front of them. I think there's a really healthy relationship, a really positive relationship there. So you get up every day, you look at our strategy, you look at the business plan, you look at the goals uh, that we set for the year, and are we on track? Where do we, where do we need to improve? You know, we we try to take a very disciplined approach to making sure we're doing the things that are going to give us the greatest chance for success. But some of the what keeps me up is not what we know; it's what we don't know. It's it's the the world is uh, in a state of change. Look, for example, at the issue of air quality. You know, it wasn't that long ago the idea that uh, you may or may not be able to play a game or hold a practice because uh, you got smoke in the air was not something that we thought about. And all of a sudden, it's become a more a more uh, common occurrence, and we're having to learn. I think that's the lesson: is how do you how do you stay ahead of the curve? How do you learn? How do you follow best practices? How do you create best practices? So, you know, there are definitely things that we need to continue to work on. But I am I wake up every day. I'm so lucky. I I feel blessed to work with an amazing group of people. You know, look at, I think about Wade and what he's done in Winnipeg, but Wade's got eight other great colleagues around the country, great, great group governments. And then, you know what? It's the, I think it is the funnest, fastest, most entertaining brand of gridiron football in the world. 
the funnest, fastest, and most entertaining. I believe that's what we have. And I think everybody who everybody who likes football anywhere in the world should want to be a CFL fan. Well, and, and you know what? If people haven't seen the CFL, hopefully they'll uh, see the scene tomorrow in Winnipeg because that will be the uh, the definition of fun, I think, both on and off the field. Commissioner Ambrosi, thank you very much for doing this. Enjoy Super Saturday tomorrow in the Canadian Football League, and uh, hopefully we can catch up a little later on closer to the Grey Cup. I'd like that. All right, have a great Listen, one. Thanks. I won't be there in person, but I will be there in spirit, but I will be in front of my... Uh, I'll be in front of my TV watching every moment of it. So, uh, you know, best wishes to you and all of, uh, you know, all the Bomber fans. It's uh, it's going to be a special weekend. All right. Appreciate Randy Ambrosi jumping on the program today. And, uh, hey, what a weekend for the Canadian Football League coming up. Three games tomorrow. But maybe we a little, a little biased, but uh, the main event, 3 p.m. IG Field. Let's do this. Well, speaking of the Banjo Bowl, Westy's going to jump on. We will still... Have Ken Weeb and Brandon Rewicki talk a little bit more about Elliot Friedman's report on the Winnipeg Jets, Connor Hellebuck, Mark Scheifele. And we'll let you know more if you already missed uh, the uh, launch of our Winnipeg Sports Talk pack for four big Jet games with the crew. We'll tell you about that coming up a little later on. But do want to thank our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market. Hey, big tailgates happening this weekend, whether you're heading to the parking lots or whether you're doing something at home with friends and family before the game. And Vita Health has some great options for the grill. Listen, they always, 24-7, have great prices on natural organic supplements, beauty products, groceries, and the best selection of local products around. Um, but with grilling season still in full swing, check out their delicious Vita Market grass-fed bison and beef steaks. And speaking of tailgates, I mean, I know everyone's going to be grabbing their 1919s or their CC and Ginger's. But Vita Health has some of the best options for non-alcoholic drinks as well with things like Sober Carpenter Beer, Santa Cruz Lemonade, and more. They've got so much more. And don't forget, local delivery right now is free using the discount code LOCALSHIP. A fully shoppable website at myvita.ca. But right now, when you're checking out, use the discount code LOCALSHIP and they will deliver it to you for free anywhere in the city of Winnipeg. It's that easy. Vita Health Fresh Marketing, powering people to lead healthy lives. Six Winnipeg locations and online at myvita.ca. Uh, Wallace & Wallace is Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialist serving residential and commercial customers since 1946. If your property needs the security and protection of a new fence, they have you covered with uh, pretty much any kind you could possibly need. Vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood. And obviously, the leaders in temporary fencing needs as well. And guys, if it's time to replace your garage door, they've also got Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. Simply give them a call at 452-2700. The Wallace & Wallace team will arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate. You can also visit them at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Crescent off of Keniston. Well, this weekend, we'll all be throwing on the blue and heading down to the park. But what are you wearing when we come out of the weekend? Fellas, if you're checking your closet and you realize you need to raise your game when it comes to menswear, you got to pop down and see the fellas at F Apparel, Winnipeg's leaders in custom menswear, including custom suits beginning at 400 bucks. 
along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. In a wedding, planning a big, planning the big day, talk to F about getting the fellas done up and looking great for the big day in suits that they'll keep afterwards and continue to wear with a 15% discount for wedding parties. Pop by and see him at 190 Smith Street downtown. Find out more online or make an appointment at F, that's E-P-H-Apparel.com. And hey, victory blizzards after the Banjo Bowl tomorrow? I hope so. And you can always pop by with the family and get those great summer blizzard flavors and those amazing stack burgers as well at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQ locations. DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, DQ St. Anne's, DQ Niverville. And if you're in Niverville, check out their new Pita Pit, which just opened last week. And if you've got catering needs, you can hit them up at Pita Pit Niverville. All right, Ken Weeb coming up, Brandon Rewicki as well. Uh, but we can't have a Banjo Bowl show without bringing in the guy that, well, made the joke that started it all. Let's welcome in Troy Westwood to Winnipeg Sports Talk. Westy, right. what is up, my man? It is great to have you back on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Yeah, great chatting with you, brother, and uh, continued success to you. You guys are doing great. Well, listen, it's great to have you on. Thank you very much. Um, what is this week like? I mean, Bombers, Riders, nobody knows this rivalry better than you. Uh, there's been ups and downs for both teams over the course of the last 20 years. But, I mean, what a game. Unfortunately, didn't end for the good guys last week. But uh, this game's been sold out for a month. I mean, uh, where are you at right now as we get into the rematch between these two teams? I mean, first and foremost, I mean, this rivalry, I'm not sure. Uh, this is a high point. It continues to get better, it seems. Yeah, it's truly one of the special rivalries. Huh? And, and it is maybe even more glorious than I recall it being from my dad and my uncles in the 70s and listening as a kid to their bus trips and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, it just, it's magical. And it, you know, for me, it happens the week of and leading up to the Labor Day game when just by chance uh, seeing somebody in a Safeway shopping line with a Rough Riders hat on and they had something a little bit crude to them and them coming back in the beacon back and forth and the glances and it's like that. It's just so much fun, man. It's truly a sacred sort of two-week period of each year as it goes by. You know, um, I mean, listen, there might be some people newer to the show or uh, younger viewers or listeners that don't entirely know all the history. Um, just just because it's one of the best stories ever, take us back to that infamous interview that uh, in in some ways started off the legend of the rematch and the Banjo Bowl. Yeah, so real quick, I, we were playing in BC. Uh, I was sitting eating breakfast with Bob. I read uh, an article that one of their sports writers wrote calling us from the Bombers banjo picking Ed Bread's coming into BC to play, and, and we laughed about it and stuff like that. And then just up in my head, it started brewing a little bit. And with my mom's family being from Saskatchewan, that, uh, the, the, the back and forth Labor Day bet my grandmother a dollar every Labor Day classic and all that sort of stuff. It was just, it's in my DNA. So I call... You know, I borrow that phrase, and before one of the games, I'd always be beacon their fans and stuff like that, having fun with it. Um, call their fans Badjo Prickin' Inbreds uh, for Labor Day game. It didn't, you know, it hardly registered. Nobody cared. And then I started concocting this sort of quote in my head that I thought it just would be funny to say. And I, I actually, I, I said, Bob, hey, I got this quote in my head. What do you think of this? And Bob said, do not say that, Bob Cameron. 
the legendary Bob Cowery said, do not say that, man. It'll be on the cover of every paper right across. Do not say it. And I just thought it's too funny. So, you know, um, maybe a little bit misguided before a playoff game, but I'm just talking to the fans of the Riders. I'm just having fun with that sort of thing. And I gather everybody together and say, hey, I I called the fans of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders a bunch of banjo picking inbreds before the Labor Day game. I would like to offer an apology for that. I was wrong in making that statement. The vast majority of people in Saskatchewan have no clue how to play the banjo. And then, of course, it blows up. Right. And it, I couldn't believe the early stages of it. Like the Winnipeg Sun presented it as a malicious statement. Um, I, the, the guy that was with CBC forever back when the gays were on CBC, Brian, his last name is very Williams. Brian Williams, very highly regarded sportscaster, refused to discuss the malicious statement from Westwood before the game. And I'm like, are these idiots actually taking this literally for crying out loud? And then I guess uh, you know part marketing brilliance and part how do we uh, how do we calm everything down flies in David Asper and Jerry Maslowski and Lyle Bauer, um, and they come up with this back to back game that man the organization had been either wanting the Labor Day game or a back to back situation it just it worked out fantastically of course with the kindness of David Asper too and all the money for the United Way to the winner and and now it's become a basically a guaranteed sellout and. Has helped to make uh, me and my family independently independently wealthy as well. So it's, it's worked out for everybody. <laughs> Westy, um, it was the guy that coined the phrase, and you mentioned how it started. It started. Um, what a time we're living in. Um, you know, you as a you know a bomber legend. I mean, but just bomber fans. This game's been sold out for a month. Um, like people are trying to do whatever they can to get tickets on the resale market for this game. Um, it's a special time right now for this organization. And um, I think tomorrow afternoon at IG Field will be the best example of that we might see all year. Truly a remarkable. And, you know, you could go all the way back through the years, back to any Kenny Plain days or Bud Grant and any other days of Mike compare. But there is, there is, I dare say, not been a stronger, what is it now, us five, six years sort of period of time frame for the club, you know, under the leadership of Wade Miller and stayed patient with, with uh, Coach O'Shea in the early days and and the brilliance of uh, moving Kyle up as uh, as the GM. But, like there was just some remarkable things that happened, man. And the way they built that culture and the team as to what it is is truly it's a dynastic situation um, and just spectacular for the Bombers. The way everything's turned out. Now I can't even get tickets. A guy, I can't. Get t- I get tickets all the time. I get asked all the time, hey, give me tickets for the... I, I can't. I can't call anybody and get tickets. So we have our own alumni for the team begging for tickets on, on our own little group sort of thing. So it's just a spectacular event. It's so much fun. Uh, what did you think about the game uh, last Sunday? Uh, obviously, it didn't end up with a bomber win, but um, I mean, that had a lot of bite to it. And um, I mean, it was in a lot of ways a quintessential Labor Day game. Yeah, and uh, you know, you can't win them all for sure. And when you don't win the games like that, you just hope that they're impossibly entertaining. And basically that's what it came down to that game. It was just so much fun to watch. Uh, you know, arguably the two most uh, beautiful stadiums in the CFL right now, maybe with uh, Winnipeg and Regina. So the, the ambiance of it and, and that sort of thing was, was spectacular. And then uh, a heartbreaker at the end. And I'm sure we'll get that straightened out here. But then of course that headbutt that caused all kinds of controversy um, but yeah, the, the game itself, uh, just 
just uh, magnificent and just continues to allow the rivalry to get even that much better and that much more intense. Yeah, you know what? I mean, I'll admit, I um, listen, you're obviously watching the game, pulling for the Bombers, and listen, they've been so good, not worried about, you know, what this means for their season. Um, but I understood why they, Zach in particular, was so pissed off after the game. Like, it's one thing, I mean, that was a stupid, maybe the stupidest penalty I, I've ever seen. I mean, handing four points over to the Bombers at a crucial time in a close game in the fourth quarter. Um, but I think the anger from the Bombers is that they let Saskatchewan off the hook. I mean, that's the sort of gift wrap thing that the Bombers say, thank you very much, go take the win and leave. And it didn't happen. Um, what do you think that does to the Bombers' focus and MO when it comes to uh, 3 o'clock on Saturday afternoon? And maybe this is one of the characteristics under the leadership of Mike Gauchehas that we've seen for the Bombers, where they do such a spectacular job of any sort of adversity, disappointment, that sort of thing. They learn from it and move on. It's such a hurry. You know, whether they blow out a team or have a tough loss like that, um, and then good luck coming back to Winnipeg in a situation like that against such a wicked veteran laden, rich squad like that. So I, I, you know, you know, dang well, right. These guys always week after week after week operate at such a spectacular level. Um, and whatever that fine little percentage there with professional athletes that give just the slightest of edges, um, it's the, you know, dang well, they're going to be tuned up something fierce for this one. And I got to address that headbutt real quick. Okay. I don't understand how in the love of God you have a command center, right? That witnesses that and allows things to continue on. I don't understand. Not long after that, they took five minutes to review a play on the field. So the command center witnessed that headbutt. If you have such a tool at your disposal like that, what in the hell are you doing sleeping at the wheel, allowing that guy to stay in the game at that point in time? It's just absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, how we talk about um, suspensions and the way that they should be utilized in a league such as the NHL. Really, if they're utilized properly, it is the ultimate enforcer, right? Nothing is going to, you know, and I don't want to veer off into hockey with this, but if suspensions are used properly and ejections, they are the ultimate enforcer. He certainly should have been. The CFL didn't. I don't even think they've issued a statement or anything like that, which they should have. That hey, they missed that, and how you can miss it with command centers beyond me. But then also, even and I right after the game or right after that incident, says hey, that should be a one-year suspension. I'll admit that was a little bit coming in hot sort of thing, right? But should it be two or three games? You're damn right it should be. You cannot have, and more than any other position, I don't like doing this. But the CFL, the NFL, any and all football leagues, you have to go out of your way to protect the quarterback. And let's push aside the fact that Kalaros is coming out uh, off of a neck injury. Is that what they called it? Right? The guy's got concussion concerns in the past. Neck, I'm going to go right away to, I was really worried about the head situation and and what happened a couple weeks before that. But to headbutt a quarterback, like, has to be completely unacceptable. So a one-game suspension to me is absolute minimum. It should be two or three games, and then what that that completely will eradicate the possibility of a D lineman being an absolute idiot like that and serving up a headbutt like that. It was just the CFL has got to get better in general at protecting quarterbacks, and certainly 
how they missed that to let that guy in the game uh, ongoing was ridiculous. Well, I, I mean, listen, there's that, and I'm not sure whether the command center has the authority to kick guys out. They, they were the ones that put the penalty in. I mean, how seven officials on the field, and then no one grabbed for the the laundry when yeah. that happened. Yeah. To me, is the biggest thing. But you know what? We actually just had Randy Ambrosi on, and I asked him about just how that sort of discipline is laid out. Like, I wasn't sure whether it was the officials that do it, whether it eventually comes down to him. And it is the final say of the suspension is his. Um, but it was interesting to hear him sort of lay out the process of getting to that point. And, um, you know, I think two things went in Pete Robertson's, um, you know, a, a favor in this. First of all, he'd never done anything like that before. I mean, it was the, the first time. And the other side of it was that he basically copped to it. I mean, there was no excuses. As much as Ryder fans and certain members of the media on the other side of the border were saying, well, what did, what did Zach say to him? Like trying to yeah. trying to somehow make a reason to make that accepted. Yeah. He said it was an absolutely stupid thing to do. And, and that's the thing. I mean, the Bombers, they're so good at making teams pay for those stupid mistakes. And that's my biggest regret, that that didn't cost them the game because it really should have. And in most cases, when Winnipeg's on the other side, you give them an opportunity to do that, Troy, and the yeah. Bombers will make you pay where it really counts, and that's the scoreboard. Yeah, and I was watching the game with a couple of college buddies in the private suite of our living room. Game and I said to them during as that game was unfolding, I said one of the traits of this bomber team is these close games they win, and then like you're saying, us they didn't, and they've had all week to let that stew. It's going to be a bunch of fun tomorrow, no doubt about it. Hey, um, what do you think make of where the bomber special teams are at right now? Very clear that they desperately miss Janarian Grant, and um, one of those things that maybe you don't appreciate how good and how important they are until they're not there. But, man, the return game's been suffering. And on the other side of it, and maybe much like you know, missing Grant on one side, missing Mike Miller, and up until now, Theodric Hansen, uh, the coverage units. I mean, when you look at the yardage just from returns in that game last week, um, I mean, I think Saskatchewan had like about a 160-yard advantage in that. That makes a big difference in close games, doesn't it? Certainly does, man. And not often discussed. I saw Bob Irving was chatting about that soon after the game as well. Great point you're making. And those soldiers, right, those special team soldiers play such a huge role as far as the coverage teams and an area I think that you can remedy fairly quickly. And I would suspect uh, Mike O'Shea is not letting that slide and that will get fixed in a hurry. The return game is a little bit different, right? When you're missing talent or guys are underperforming, things of that nature, that's uh, that's such a real specialty sort of an area to have a returner that can give you that advantage and We'll see what, what develops uh, in an ongoing way there. But certainly a Mike O'Shea-led team, special team, should be something that typically works out in their advantage uh, on a week-to-week basis. And it'll be very interesting, Huss, with the discrepancy there with the return game of the Rough Riders last week to see how that works out at the Banjo Bowl. Troy Westwood is with us, the uh, the guy that invented the Banjo Bowl and a great friend of ours here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Well, see, I look at this game tomorrow, and I mean, I kind of see two potential outcomes. One is, you know, a game that sort of resembles the Labor Day game, you know, a really close game, uh, defenses stepping up, one that goes into the third and the fourth quarter, somewhat in doubt. The other thing that I can see is we see a Bomber team playing at a level that we haven't maybe, certainly early in games before, 
jumping on and along with 33,000 in the stands, uh, absolutely running away with this one. Um, wh- where are you at? What do you expect in this football game tomorrow in the rematch? I'm not real sure what to expect, but I do expect the Bombers to be playing at a very high, intense rate, right out of the gate. And boy, we've seen sometimes, uh, us when the Rough Riders have had solid teams to come here and basically their offense be essentially paralyzed on the the field with the the loud how loud it's going to be and things of that nature. So I think I think it will work uh, again in the Bombers' favor tomorrow. And I'm going to say a comfortable victory of ten points. Westy, so much fun having you on the program. Hey, before we go, talking to some folks, word on the street is that uh, you're one of the top young soccer coaches around. How are things going with the fam and that, and on the pitch with the boys? Oh, it's a, a labor of love indeed, and we've got a great group. Uh, the soccer is why and how I got into football, right? And all the crazy, like the the story of how I got into football. But soccer's always been my heart and soul and spirit for sure. And it's been such an honor. It's so much fun coaching Trey and the group that we've got since they were little munchkins of four or five years old. And now they're a, a U15 team out of FC Northwest and uh, being firmly entrenched within the soccer community in the city and province. Us just makes my heart glow, brother. So thank you for the shout out and much love to all of our players and all the players in the province that love the beautiful game. Westy, man, you are the best. We uh, always love having you on, especially Badger Bowl week. You enjoy the game tomorrow. Enjoy the weekend. And uh, hopefully we can do this soon because I know there's a lot of people that miss your takes on a number of topics and we get a big hockey season just around the corner. So we'll have to do this and hit both Jets and the Bombers sometime soon. You betcha, brother. Thanks so much and all the very best to you. Right on, Westy. Good stuff, buddy. Banjo Bowl tomorrow, 3 p.m. And speaking of bomber legends like Troy Westwood, another one, the man of the fur coat, Chris Streveler, in town tomorrow, Princess Auto Tailgate, 1.30 to 2.30. I believe the Strev is doing an autograph signing, so make sure to head down there, Princess Auto Tailgate Zone. I, I remember the Princess Auto Tailgate before last year's Banjo Bowl was as great of an atmosphere as I think I've ever seen outside IG Field. That get, gets ramped up tomorrow. Of course, Princess Auto, proud sponsors of the Bombers and Winnipeg Sports Talk, and the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new at Princess Auto. Check them out. Visit them in-store. Two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West. You can always shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. The gang over at Consolidated Supply, they'll be busy tomorrow afternoon. I'm sure all out supporting the Bombers in blue. Um, But seven days a week, Consolidated Supply are the leaders in irrigation systems, artificial turf, golf carts, and club car vehicles, both for commercial and personal use. And they've got other great options for your property, including hot tubs and amazing outdoor kitchens. And of course, they're also the leaders in small engine parts and repair. Whether it's personal for your home or for your business, there's so much consolidated supply can do for you. Pop by and see them at their showroom. Open to the public, 1395 Niaqua Road East, or find out more online at cte.ca. Well, I, I shout out to... Our, my pal Greg from uh, Royal Sports, we uh, watched the game last night. Yes, he was on the Lions. He was giving it to me all night. But 
that beautiful Super Bowl champions hat I had yesterday. Of course, I got it Royal. Royal has so much great NFL gear just in time for kickoff on Sunday. And before we get to Sunday, a Saturday in the Banjo Bowl. And if you need to get some sweet bomber gear before tomorrow's game, get on down to Royal Sports at 750 Pemina Highway as well. Thousands of pieces of Jets merch just in time for training camp in the upcoming season. And of course, with hockey here for 40 years, family owned the hockey superstore in Winnipeg. And it's all in one spot. The one and only Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway. Follow them on Instagram as well at Royal Sports Pemina. And their legendary tent sale is not this weekend, but next weekend. So mark that down. Unbelievable savings. We'll fill you in on everything that'll be in the tent a week from Saturday over at Royal Sports. And hey, looking for a great spot to watch the game. If you're not lucky enough to have a ticket tomorrow, you know what's your local Boston pizza. The best place to get together with your gang for the big game is always BP. Enjoy ice-cold schooners, world-famous BP wings, gourmet pizzas, and the latest from the BP feature menu, and the great Burger Week offerings as well at your local Boston Pizza. And hey, stay at home. You can always order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, let's get Brandon Rewicki in here as we get into the weekend. What's going on? What, what did you think of... Can I interest you in Kadarius Tony in fantasy, Brandon? <laughs> Yeah, I, I might have to pass on that one. Uh, I'm not too deep in receiver, but I, I like my options a little more than what Kansas City has. I, you know, I, I thought uh, Collinsworth had the line of the night. They maybe they should give Jawan Taylor a chance at receiver since he's already lined up in the slot. So that could be that could be Patty Mahomes' new option there. Um, that, that was bizarre, huh? Like he was he was a yard off the line of scrimmage most of the night. I loved it. It was great. He's just like, well, you're not going to call these, so I'll keep doing. He reminded me of. Um, you know, speaking of the Eagles, Jason Peters used to do that all the time too. the future Hall of Famer where he's like, yeah, I'm going to start about a half second before the ball actually gets snapped and everybody's too scared to call a penalty on me. So I'll just keep doing it. Uh, but it was it was funny. It was very ironic that he got called on the, the literal last play of the game for the Chiefs. Yeah, the they were like, and 20. Now, yeah, now now that's enough. Like <laughs> That's too much. This is too much. Um, but uh, I wonder like I wonder if any players ever gotten a, a contract boost without even playing a game because Travis Kelsey, the Chiefs might want to throw a, maybe a Miller to his way because yeah, bit a bit of a rough one for Mahomes in terms of finding capable targets open and willing to catch the football, willing to catch the ball, man. The craziest thing about that fourth and 25, I was a curious decision. I mean, they did have the three timeouts. It was basically at the two minute warning. Um, but he, like that probably should have been caught for a first down by Sky Moore. I mean, Mahomes, uh, listen, Mahomes had himself a game and uh, got done dirty by the receivers, but long season. Um, but I'll tell you what, this Lions team is going to be a problem for teams in the NFC North and in the NFC. And we talked about Howard. I mean, that Aiden Hutchinson coming into year Ooh. two, he, uh, He's going to be getting in quarterbacks' faces all year long. Uh, and the stones on Dan Campbell, the fake punt from their 20 in the first half. I mean, a lot to like about this Detroit team. Yeah, I, you know, I, I was kind of wondering. He feels a little bit like American Mike O'Shea, right? Like, you got a former player who looks like he could probably still put on the pads, and then he's got some cojones when it comes to special teams. I, I, how, can you not love, how can you not love him and then just the Lions as a whole? 
Um, I, yeah, I, I totally 100% think you're right there that the Lions are, I mean, people were kind of hesitant just because they are the Lions to kind of jump fully in on them. But I don't think that's going to be the case this year. They, they look pretty legit. And, you know, I, I, I kind of wondered with them that, you know, they have some, some pass catching issues outside of Amon Ross St. Brown as well. But when they get Jamison Williams back after that six game suspension, like if they can go four and two, even in that first six games, they're going to be battling for top spot, not in the division, but I think in the conference as well, especially, you know, the Eagles and Cowboys are amongst two of the favorites, but that's a tough division there. Uh, a little bit easier in the NFC North. I don't know who else the Lions end up playing this year, but, you know, once once they get that injection of speed in their offense, the defense looks like it's it's pretty legit and ready to go. And that Gibbs, too, the rookie was, he didn't get a ton of touches, but... That's that's a bit of lighting they got in the backfield too. It's it's definitely looking like things are on the up and up in Detroit. And I yeah, it's always nice to see a, a franchise that hasn't done too much in a half century have a little bit of positive vibes to start the season. Well, and you're right. I mean, what a huge win. I mean, you know, you look at every team's schedule and you kind of think, oh, this is gonna be a real tough spot. The fact that they got the win in Arrowhead on opening night kind of puts them either further ahead and they were already like two and to win. Yeah, in, in a lot of ways they are. Um, and now they get to kick back and a little extra rest going into week two. Um, I, I want to talk Jets with you, and that'll be a nice kind of segue into bringing Ken on. Uh, but thoughts on the Banjo Bowl going into tomorrow after that crazy game in Regina last week that ended up just coming short for the Bombers on that two-pointer in OT. Yeah, I mean, the Bombers surprisingly just didn't come ready to play. And, and the Riders did. Like, the Riders played great. I mean, give them all the credit in the world, but... I was pretty surprised at, at at the effort from from Winnipeg in the first half. I mean, just sloppy football. You know, if it, maybe if Dalton Schoen catches a couple of freebies right in his hand, if he doesn't do a Kadarius Tony, maybe it's a bit of a different story. But I mean, I, I still feel super confident going into this one. Um, you know, I, I I do wonder a little bit. Um, you know, watching Saskatchewan Brock Osweiler drop back and you know, throw dime after dime. If he's going to be able to do that again. Saskatchewan Brock Osweiler. Amazing comparison for Dola Gala. But uh, there, I mean, there was a couple throws he made. Give him credit. He made them, but like the bombers were jumping them and just missing them. I mean, I, I, there was a couple of Houston could have had a pick six and and a couple of picks to go along with it. I, I I just wonder if he's going to be able to do that again. Like I, you know, if I was to make a, a prop bet, I might take the over on, the Bombers coming up with a couple of picks in the Banjo Bowl. And, I, yeah, I, I just don't think they're going to be as sloppy as they were in that game against Saskatchewan uh, back there on, on Sunday. So I, I feel pretty good about it. I'm not going to go – I'm not going to be as uh, braggadocious as I was heading into the uh, the LDC, but I, I think the Bombers, we're going we're gonna to see a pretty good effort from them, and I think they'll have a, a, a nice, tidy victory Saturday afternoon. Yeah, listen, I, I I mean, I could see this game potentially being close and being a dogfight if the execution isn't quite there and if Saskatchewan's defense plays the way um, they have been as of late. That being said, I also see a script where the Bombers come out all guns blazing and uh, throttle this team and, you know, between the Bombers and 33,000, make it the longest afternoon of Jake Doladell's young career. Um, you know, we're going to dive into some of the Jets news with Ken um, coming up as well as the prospects. But uh, I, I knew we were talking before, uh, Brandon, about, um, you know, the insiders are back. We're starting to get a little bit more info. And Elliot Friedman today dropped 
some information about the Winnipeg Jets. What did you gather or take from the comments about Connor Hellebuck and that, you know, maybe there is a little bit more of an open mind for further dialogue and discussion about his potential future here with the Jets? Well, so I think it's two things. There's the Freeman comments, and then I, I don't know if you saw the Michael Russo comments from, from the Athletic Podcast, and, and for those that might have missed it, essentially saying that the Jets are asking for an exorbitant amount for Connor Hellebuck from either the Devils or the Sabres. The Sabres were kind of the intriguing part of that to me. But, I mean, it, it kind of points to the same conclusion I've had all offseason long, Huss, and that's the Jets don't want to trade Connor Hellebuck. They, they've never, they might have been semi-forced into it by by Hellebuck being a little bit, you know, unsure about his future once the season came to an end. But I, I, I never got the sense that the Jets were, you know, actively shopping him and willing to take a semi-good offer for him. I think it was along the lines of, look, if you guys want to give up a big-time young roster player and some picks and prospects, maybe then we'll consider it. But this isn't a trade for the sake of just making a trade. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, nothing really changes for me on the Hellebuck front. I think the Jets are still intent on trying to sign him. And I, I, I've kind of maintained all along that I think, I think there's a decent chance Hellebuck stays here in Winnipeg. It's going to depend on some of the conversations that's had with, with management and all that, but I've never gotten a sense that, you know, Jets management is willing to turn the page into a full fledged rebuild. And if that's the case, I think you can make a decent pitch to Hellebuck to stay long-term and the Jets might be, the loan team are at the very least one of the only teams willing to give him big-time money on a long-term contract. And while that's not the most important thing to him, you know, making 10 mil is pretty, that's a pretty good plan B. It's, if you're not, it's not unimportant. I can guarantee, yeah. guarantee you that. <laughs> there we go. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think I don't think we're going to see a contract extension come out on day two of training camp or anything like that. But it's not going to totally shock me if we see Hellebuck get signed – at some point during the season before the trade deadline will make this really interesting Huss, is if say the Buffalo Sabres or the New Jersey Devils start the year eight and 12 and are getting 890 goaltending. Yeah. And then a big time offer comes in, right? You know what I mean? Like that's the intriguing part where you can say all the right things, but if, if Buffalo with their stable of, of prospects and young players put together something enticing, like I wonder at that point, which direction the Jets are leading. And I, I don't know the answer to that right now. Well, I mean, listen, I, I don't know that there's many paths to getting better as a hockey team if Hellebuck's not a Winnipeg Jet. Um, the only one way would be doing what apparently the Jets have been doing, as Michael Russo said. Wow, oh, you want this guy? Vezina Trophy winning goaltender? Here's the price. And if they're able to pay the price and you think that makes you better, I guess you do the deal. But I, for one, am... I guess I, I, I'm a little more optimistic that, you know, maybe the door isn't completely shut on Hellebuck's situation. Um, Brandon, of course, Banjo Bowl, NFL, it's a big football weekend, but hockey just around the corner. Tell people what's kicking on uh, skates and plates these days heading into the weekend. Actual hockey talk for one, which yes, is nice. Not, nice. <laughs> not, not just Burger Week. Mount, Mount Rushmore's in the rear view, baby. We got actual stuff to talk about. Um, yeah, just finished the ranking series. Uh, I mean, interesting to see where the Jets rank, heading to training camp, at least amongst the rest of the teams in the NHL. And then um, this week, always a fun episode. Uh, bold predictions for each and every team in the NHL going into the season. And not not bold like, you know, Kyle Connor might score 45 goals this year. We're talking yeah, you got wheelbarrow cojones predictions, right? So 
make sure make, make sure you tune in for that one to kick off next week on tuesday it's it's i think it might be my favorite episode we do of the year to be honest i can't wait for these hot takes uh skates and plates folks wherever you get your favorite podcast like winnipeg sports talk give them a sub brandon or wiki have an awesome weekend back to the mayhem of your young family we appreciate you joining us and uh we'll do this again next week buddy sounds good enjoy the week and enjoy the banjo bowl everybody oh it is all good stuff there is our pal brandon ruwicki all right ken's gonna come up we're gonna get into some jet stuff but i want to mention for those of you that missed yesterday's show very exciting announcement on wst the official launch of our Winnipeg Sports Talk four-game pack with the Winnipeg Jets. It's ready to go. It's live on sale. And I, I listen, I, I knew there'd be a bunch of people who'd be into it. Um, overwhelmed at how many people have already jumped on and got one of the game packs. This is how it works, everybody. Um, you know, listen, many of you might want to get a bigger package, an eight-gamer, a half-season, season tickets, obviously, that's there. And individual tickets went on sale today. But um, my favorite section in the Upper Bowl, 316, the Zamboni Corner, right by the bar, bathroom. I mean, is a great spot. We've got a bunch of rows together. And uh, we're putting together a crew for four games for the Winnipeg Jets, an opportunity to, um, you know, have a package and to join us for these games. Four tilts starting with the return of Pierre-Luc Dubois on October 17th against the Kings, Thursday, November 30th, Connor McDavid and the Oilers, the Leaf game, Saturday night, HNIC, January 27th, and then what could be a massive game towards the end of the year, Thursday night, April 4th, against the Calgary Flames. Every game, at every game, you'll get a free beer or drink or soft drink or water and before the game, we're going to have early entry for WST package holders. We're going to get together in that bar outside of 316. We'll do some giveaways, hang out, get ready for the game, and then go up and uh, raise a little hell in 316. So very simply, if you're with us on YouTube, uh, the link will be thrown in there. Remo, maybe throw it up at the top. It's in the description of the video. And you can also go to winnipegsports.com for a link. Uh, but it's winnipegjets.com slash WST. 375 bucks. Uh, taxes in. You could also do five payments of $75 if you want to stretch it out. But um, we've had a great, great response in day number one. Kind of overwhelming. And uh, tell you what, cannot wait to see all of you and Pierre-Luc Dubois on the 17th of October. Winnipeg Jets Pack. Go to winnipegsportstalk.com for a link. And uh, hopefully we'll see you there. All right, let's get to Ken Weeb, who joins us now heading into Banjo Bowl weekend. And uh, geez, Kenny, it won't be long before we're talking about the prospects tournament for the Jets, of which the roster was released today. What's going on? How are you? Good to see you, my man. Uh, beautiful Friday. Happy Friday to you. Uh, all good here. Yeah, interesting roster for sure. Uh, lots of uh, lots of high profile and highly drafted prospects uh, to be part of the proceedings uh, down in Penticton. Uh, should be a fun event uh, for all who are in attendance or watching uh, via stream or whatever else they're doing. You know, let me just grab this, uh, grab the roster up. I had it somewhere, but uh, Lake Michael Remus, I've got a lot of tabs, uh, tabs open. Um, but we're going to see Brad Lambert, Chaz Lucius, Colby Barlow is going to be a part of it. 
and maybe the most intriguing guy outside of, you know, the big first rounders is Elias Salmonson. Um, anything stand out to you, Ken, when you looked at that roster right off the bat for the prospect camp? No, I mean, it's it's probably the, the biggest of the prospect pools, Huss. I think that's probably the exciting part. I mean, obviously, Rick or McGrady won't be there because he'll be back in school. But uh, I would say it would be hard to, f- you know, I guess the early years, having been in Penticton uh, when the Jets had come back, I guess, you know, you saw the likes of, you know, Mark Shifley dominating uh, in his number 45 jersey. You saw Josh Morrissey. I think you saw Jacob Truba there one year as well. Uh uh, maybe not. I'm not 100% sure on that one. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting bunch. I mean, Nikolai Ehlers was there. But I mean, this is the first time I think there's multiple, multiple first rounders spread over the, you know, the the year, spread over the years. You're, you know, there's some excitement around Chibrikov, uh, Solomonson. Obviously, we talked about him a lot last week. And just the fact that he's over here in North America to get this taste of experience. Uh, is important, I think, in the in the overall scheme of things. Uh, you know, obviously, there are some folks getting a little bit ahead of themselves and thinking that he's going to all of a sudden steal a job as a as a young man uh, in training camp here. Which you know, again, you would never rule anything out. But I would say this is more about getting him ready for down the road when he is ready to be an NHL or full time, rather than him this being a sign that hey, uh, guess what, he may steal a job here, and that's just to take nothing away from the young and talented individual. But uh, I would say that in all likelihood, uh, Solomonson's career this year will be spent playing in the SHL uh, and probably dominating for the Swedish team at the World Junior Hockey Championship. So the fact that he's over here is important in the process. We've seen this on a number of occasions. Huss, similar to Chibrikov, just joining the Moose at the end of last year, getting some practices in. You want to get players acclimatized for what they're going to be dealing with down the road. And, you know, it's important. We, we saw it at the development camp, but as we know, us from covering these development camps over the years, it's not the on ice portion. That's important at the development camp because you have such a wide variety. Some guys haven't skated at all. Some have skated a little bit. Some have skated a lot. Now you're at the stage of the proceedings where People are ready to perform. You are ready for training camp. When it comes to September, you have your training has been ramped up, especially everyone is at the same level, and now they're ready to start getting after it. And the fact that we saw the interactions between Barlow and McGordy and those kind of guys, I think it's important for Lambert, Lucius, Chibrikov, all of these guys, many of whom we will see on the Manitoba Moose this year, I think that whole process of starting to get the cohesion and who's going to play with whom at times, maybe this guy gels well with this guy. What do the line combo platters look like? It's not just the Jets that we're interested in for that, Huss. It's what we're we're interested in, what the Moose are going to look like. Will Lambert and Lucius both be playing center? Will one be playing center? Will one look better on the wing? Will one look better with Chibrikov? I mean, there's all kinds of... I love that point you're making about the center. I mean, and and this is, I mean, obviously something that will follow throughout the year. For sure. I mean, it's pretty clear that at this point, we are likely on the precipice of, you know, a significant change down the middle, you know, heading into the next few seasons. I mean, assuming that there's not, you know, an extension for Mark Shifley, um, he's been a mainstay at that position basically for the last eight, nine, ten years. Pierre-Luc Dubois is gone, and the ability of one or both of those players to play center along with, uh, you know, Cole Perfetti, you know, up within the NHL. 
um, are going to be big, big topics. And I think that'll be something that certainly management and certainly everybody that follows both teams are going to be following throughout the year because a lot of what we'll learn this year, I think, is going to have a pretty significant impact into future plans. Yeah, no doubt. And Velarde has got to be in that mix too, right? Huss, it's going to be one. I just think of him as a little more established as an NHL guy. Oh, sure, That's why sure, I, sure. I, I didn't include him. But yes, absolutely. I mean, he'll be an option and he will certainly get a look. Yeah, no doubt. And I think that's part of the excitement. I mean, even for, for me, Huss, I mean, I saw Chaz Lucius play at University of North Dakota when he was, you know, as a freshman at the University of Minnesota and he was playing on the wing there. So, I mean, they're all the similar things that we've been talking about. I mean, it's hard to know what player or what position the player is better suited for until he's got a little bit more tread on the tire, right? I mean, that's the other thing. It's easy to say, oh, well, you know, maybe because of the skating and what's better on the wing. But these are guys that have elite level hockey IQ, Huss, and, and that's what makes them intriguing as centermen. And then you have Lambert, just the explosiveness, right? I mean, for him, it's all a speed game, right? Where I would say Lucius would be more of a cerebral kind of assassin in terms of his play, right? So they play the game at a different motor level, but those qualities can be equally important at either wing or center. Now, both neither of those guys are known as Selkie-type level of defensive commitment, but their brain, you know, the brain allows certain things to work very well with Lucius. He's around the puck a lot. And Lambert is the kind of guy that is an explosive player that can really shoot it. So you can make, you know, you can make the debate for what one position or the other, but ultimately it will be how they adapt at the age level they're at. And, and, you know, especially Lambert to a degree because, because he was playing in Europe, but because of Lucius all the time he's missed. And this even equates to Perfetti, like all of the, development time lost for those three players over the last three seasons, part of which was COVID and some of which was injury. You don't have a large enough sample size to make a bold declaration to say, this guy must play this position because of this. And that's the only way it's going to work. You need to see more of a sample size before you're ready to make those types of statements, or at least to have an idea of whether they're going to be accurate because the skill set is still evolving for all of those players, right? But the, the fact that they have these types of decisions to make is the important part of the equation for the Jets. And and that's the intriguing part about the young stars for me, Huss. I mean, yeah, that's where the opportunities really begin. And it starts to, yeah, you start to get things going. And, and let's not forget, I mean, Connor McDavid played one period at the young stars classic. He got hit by Jig for Tannen. And then the Oilers quickly said, we don't need a number one pick to be knocked out, but you know, yeah. Tannen was a first rounder, but you have such a wide variety. You have the first overall pick, but then you also have a bunch of free agent guys who would like to sign a contract. So at that stage, the Oilers thought, ah, you know, this is a fun showcase event and all, but it's not our showcase event. And we certainly don't want the best player. Get the bubble in wrap. The, exactly. The bubble wrap got out and it was time to move on. But you know, the fact that, you know, Jets fans or fans of of the sport are going to be able to. Uh, we've been talking so much about what the team could look like and how many guys are going to be integrated at once. Like Hus, the important part of this is, you know, you could roll a line with Barlow, Lucius, and Lambert at some. I'm not saying it will happen in this turn, but that's the type of thing you could see, or you could see Chimbrikov uh, on the right hand side. I mean, and that that is, I think, where the intrigue for Jets fans will start to come in because. 
we're not talking about five years down the road. Like we're probably not talking about this fall, but we're, we're talking about, you know, 12 months or, from now, two or be, exactly. Like, yeah. like, I mean, this entire group could be in and uh, obviously we'll get to more of that coming up next week. Kenny, um, your colleague, Elliot Friedman, um, was uh, getting into, uh, you know, a little bit of Jets talk today on the thing. Have you heard the clips already? Uh, we, Elliot and I spoke this morning, Huss. Uh, we had a good chat about it. Uh, there was some information that, uh, you know, we were so, able to so share. There's, and... there's a couple. I was just going to say, we've got a couple clips that we're going to play that we haven't played yet, just okay. about kind of the way the Jets operate. And I want to ask you about that. But just quickly, um, you know, the first one that we played earlier in the program, um, just on Connor Hellebuck's situation, certainly sound like the doors may be a little bit more open than a lot of people have thought that has been. Just what was your takeaway from the conversation with Elliot about where things stand with their Vesna Trophy winning goaltender in the Winnipeg Jets? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would say that, uh, you know, I would say that the door is open, Huss. I mean, does it mean that it's, uh, I'm not saying it's a, like, it's hard to tell if it's a crack or if it's wide, wide open. I mean, that that's the part that will be difficult mm-hmm. to discern. Hey, I'll, uh, I'll take not being 100% closed. <laughs> sure. And and that's fine. Hassan. Like I said, I don't, I don't know that it was ever a hundred percent closed. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously you were at the draft and you know, we know that what Pierre Lebrun wrote about it, that it, you know, the next extension, you know, or that ship has sailed or whatever else the, the, the community, uh, what we're hearing uh, was sort of the buzz that was out there. But I mean, as we as we know things change quickly when it comes to negotiations especially when uh you know the landscape changes quickly right so there was never a point where Connor Hellbuck has made a bold declaration saying I'm never I'm never signing with the Jets again I want him out of here like there's it, it, it his situation is so different um and again what is said publicly versus privately a lot of the times is not you know made for public knowledge but what we know is that Connor wants to win and Connor wants to get paid. So Connor is in a good spot. He has a contract with that has one year left on it. It is a, you know, you would call it a team friendly contract, whether that's for Winnipeg or a team that's trying to acquire him at some point. But the fact that the fact remains, I mean, he's going to, the, he, he, at some point he will put his mouth where the money is or the money where his mouth is. Right. So at some point we know the jets are going to make a lucrative offer to Connor Hellebuck if they have not done so already. Now the term has always been the sticking point that you and I have been discussing for the last couple of months, but I don't think it was ever, uh, I know what you were talking about with Brandon. I mean, the jets were never shopping him, but at the same time, when you have a expiring asset, the job of the general manager is to listen. So, um, what I think is interesting is that, uh, you know, because of the way it's super interesting because of how goalies are being viewed, the workhorse versus the one A and one B, right? So Connor is going to have incredible value no matter what, whether he's a 55, you know, Connor's not going down to a 40, 40 job share at any time in the near future here. So was whether it's going to be, you know, 58 to 62 rather than 65 or 67, that, that's the interesting part when it comes to the jets. But what I think is important is that Connor does enjoy it here for sure. But at the same time, you know, he's going to be making that next, that, that next commitment for him is super interesting. Like a lot of us, I, I think a lot of us viewed Connor's, you know, words at the podium as a bit of a goodbye. Now, I don't think that was necessarily Hellebuck's intention, but you're always reading between the lines, us, right? So, 
it sort of sounded, I mean, he was asked a direct question about legacy. So naturally, his answer was reflective of that question. It wasn't that he brought it up saying, I'm probably going to be out of here, or this has been a real slice, uh, peace out. Like, it, it just depends on where the marketplace is. It's super interesting be- for Hellbuck because of his age, Huss, right? And it's so funny. I, I wrote about this at sportsnet.ca. Uh, we, yes, this is uncharted territory for the Jets, but it's not completely out of the ordinary, right? Look no further than the Bufflin Lads situation of 2015-16. The captain of the Winnipeg Jets and the most impactful player, a bona fide number one uh, defenseman, went into the last year of an expiring contract. One of those players was signed on February 8th, and the other player was traded a couple weeks later for a package involving futures. Now, the Jets missed the playoffs that year, but there are some parallels to the situation today. Obviously, the Jets have never had a number one center and an elite-level Vezna-caliber goaltender going into the last year of an expiring deal, but I see some real parallels in that situation. Now, does that mean one will be signed and one will be traded at the deadline? I'm not here to make that kind of assessment right now, but I do think... The one difference, I think, Huss, is that the Jets are going to need clarity on Hellebuck's situation before they proceed with Mark Shifley uh, and the potential for anything else there. Whereas what we saw with Ladd and Bufflin, I think the offers were more of a concurrent situation where, or at least there was some overlap in terms of when the offers were made. Now, obviously, when Bufflin accepted his five-year extension, then it was basically a fait accompli that lad would be gone. So I'm not saying it's the same in that regard. Well, let, let me ask you just, I mean, for your point, how would you, listen, if Hellebuck is the guy that they're going to first, how does Hellebuck, whether he's in or whether he, you know, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be signing elsewhere. How, how does that affect Shifley in your mind? Yeah, I mean, how does it affect him? Mentally or no, 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 no. Does... the situation. Like, I mean, you kind of said that they were it was Hellebuck first and then and then Shifley. What's the connection between those two, like the choices for the club, if they're even open to potentially extending Mark Shifley, like we believe that they certainly are with Hellebuck? Sure. And I know, so that's what I mean there is that I think that it's a, it's a it's a it's a going to be a big number to sign Hellebuck, right? Whether it's eight and a half or nine and a half, I don't think he's going to get to 10 million like you were talking about with Brandon. But I mean, who knows if it's a shorter deal, maybe yeah. they go a higher number. Um, but I think the similarity is, is there because I'm not sure the jets, even if the cap is on the rise, I'm not sure the jets are in a position where they could extend Hellebuck at, let's say 9.75 and then also extend Shifley at some number above eight and a half and probably uh you know would he want to get to we've talked about this before i mean i think mark would like to get uh in the north of 9.5 range himself now whether he gets there or not remains to be seen i too would like to get (laughs) 9.5 fair enough us but uh uh one thing mark has that you don't is six seasons of being a point of game player at 142 goal season i you know (laughs) but that's fair, neither fair. that's that's neither <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Uh but I think it may be pertinent to that part of the discussion as you know. Um so it, it's interesting. I mean I is this new information? I mean sure. For two you know, at one point it looked like there was probably 
I don't think it was ever a 0% chance, but I would say it's probably gone from a, uh, you know, let's say 10% or 10 to 15% to, uh, you know, let's say maybe it's in the 30s or 30s or 40s now. I would say there's, I'm not sure it's 50-50 yet, Hus, but I would say that the that number uh, is certainly on the rise in terms of the ability to at least make make the bold pitch. Now, we've talked about this for uh, months, uh, bordering on years. I think the fact that the Jets are going to make it, they have made it clear by their actions to this point, but I think that the whole notion of a rebuild, even if it's, you know, again, things could change depending on what happens with Shifley mm-hmm. and Hellebuck, but it will be made clear to Connor Hellebuck, whose aspirations of winning are quite common and public knowledge, that the Jets will not be enduring a rebuild during this next phase of hockey. And that should be of appeal to Connor Hellebuck. Now, ultimately, it's going to come down to the dollars and cents and the term. But if Connor is looking to try to get his name engraved on that other silver trophy, as we know he is, I think that is going to be made very clear to him by Kevin Sheveldayoff and maybe even by Mark Chipman if it hasn't been already. So um, it's going to be interesting for sure. And in terms of Shifley, I mean, we know that players have feelings. Uh, You know, how does Shifley feel about Hellebuck being the one prioritized? I mean, probably anyone in that situation wouldn't feel great, but it doesn't mean the Jets aren't, you know, it doesn't mean they don't care about Mark Shifley or don't want him involved in the program. It just means that they're valuing the elite level goaltender over a first line center. Now, that's what we know. It's very difficult to find either one of those positions and often more difficult to replace both of them. But I think when it looks, we talk about organizational depth. That's how we started this conversation. Um, organizational depth is deeper at center, even though maybe whether or not there's a first line bona fide point of game center in there yet, we're not sure, but we don't see a Vesna caliber goaltender, at least, you know, in the pro could Dom DeVincentis grow into one at some point, of course, but there isn't a, a you know natural successor to the throne in the goaltending department, you know, unless Lauren Brassois sticks around for a long term, depending on what happens with Hellebuck. But even there, Brassois got to spend one full season as a starter before he can even get himself into a Vesna discussion, right? Now, that's the other part of the equation. Um, Kenny, listen, we don't have a lot of time because Hacksaw's coming up, but Remo, if you can, get um, clip number uh, number two. This is a really interesting little tidbit from Elliot from earlier today. Uh, and, you know, you've dealt with the Jets for a long time. I just kind of wanted to get your reaction to it. This was Elliot Friedman discussing conversation he had with a former Jets player on uh, 31 Thoughts, 32 Thoughts. I will tell you this. I had a player, and he was a Jet. He's not a Jet anymore. And what this player told me is he said, and he's an interesting guy because he he says, look, I, I recognize that teams can't tell you everything. And, you know, there are things that teams feel and say about players that they've got to keep to themselves. But he said if there was one thing he would change about the Jets, it's for their key players or their players who are coming to the ends of their contracts. He wishes that the Jets gave them more information about what they were thinking. Um, so there is this an interesting bit of, um, you know, the way things are run. Um, did that surprise you at all when you heard Elliot have that? Uh, from him? Is that 
How would you compare that maybe to some of the other teams around the league that um, you know you've worked with or heard things about? Um, how unique is this a little bit, and is that maybe an Achilles' heel of the way the Jets are running things right now? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't deal with enough people high enough on the food chain there to to really give an assessment of how the Jets do it in comparison to the Leafs or the Oilers sure. or you know some of the other smaller market teams. But um, I would say it's it's certainly an important part of the equation, and that it's it sort of us it kind of goes back to what we're talking about right now with Hellebuck and Shifley, right? I'm not saying that Shifley has been kept in the dark, but if the goalie is a priority, then naturally the other player is kind of wondering what's going to be happening here. And um, I, I would think that, you know, from some of the whispers and maybe some of the other people you talk around the league, I, th- I think this has happened. Uh, I would say this probably dates back to the, you know, the between the 2018 and 2020 years where there was a lot of turnover. And a lot of those times, some of the players on expiring contracts were probably wished they had had seen a little bit more direction in terms of maybe how it related to them. But uh, it, it's sort of always, it's interesting. I mean, I, I, but again, I'm, and Elliot made it very clear, Huss, I mean, it wasn't in the clip, but uh, in reading what was said, mm-hmm. I mean, this isn't, you know, I don't think it's unique to Winnipeg as an organization, but I, I would say too, I, I think transparency in those situations is probably, you know, would be something that all players would invite, but it's easy to say that. And it's, it's more of a thing where the Jets probably don't want to overcommit to someone, and then the player is saying, "Well, you, what, but you said it was this, right?" I mean, <laughs> yeah. it, it's easy to say, Huss. I mean, every player wants transparency, of course they do, but at the same time, the organization doesn't want to be pigeonholed and say, "Who oh, was hey, the but, player, Ken? Who the was way? it? Let's just get to it. Let's get it. Uh, Our why not question of the day: Who was Elliot Friedman talking to?" <laughs> yeah, I yeah. can't say, but I think I have a pretty good idea, but. Uh, uh, I certainly would have covered any, I mean, having covered the team every year, I would have had to have covered the player. And uh, <laughs> um, I, I just don't, th- I don't think this is a singular situation, but I also don't think it's a, it's something where um, it's, it's something that all players are kept in the dark necessarily. I just think that it, I do think that there are players in situations that, but it's also different because of the, cha- we've talked about the challenges in the marketplace at times. So it's hard to overcommit to something uh, because of some of the other factors in terms of attracting players and everything else. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, I'd be curious to see how yeah. other places say, I mean, Huss, I, that's a great question, but I, I think other in people in other markets would have to answer it because I, I don't, I'm not around every other team. Yeah, I, yeah. This no, is the team just, that I'm mm. around. I mean, it's, it's I, interesting. I, yeah. I mean, that is not something <clears throat> that I've ever really even thought about until hearing sure. that today. And obviously there's different management styles with different teams and, um, maybe some of this just because of the importance of those two players and everything that's happening kind of coming out a bit more. Weaver, have a great weekend. Enjoy the Banjo Bowl. Enjoy NFL Week 1. And we'll look forward to talking to you next week right here on WST, buddy. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, thanks for having me. And one uh, one quick shout-out. I know you know that it's happened. Uh, the intervention has taken place. Uh, at uh, So big thanks to Corey and the folks at Breezy uh, and also obviously to Marshall Patterson for uh, for being uh, at the controls nice. here. Uh, we have a lot of track man data, Huss. We, uh, we, track, <laughs> we tracked 58 putts. Uh, Finally, felt like a few of them were hit on the face, uh, which was pretty good. We're going to try to uh, try to get the number of putts uh, going on the down on the on the down slope here, but 
Uh, happy to report there was an uh, 84 recorded in the second round at Clear Lake yesterday on the 36-hole challenge for the uh, MB Golf Tour. So uh, we, we, we haven't cured all of the putting woes overnight, but uh, the tools and the fundamentals are in place to uh, turning that uh, – big weakness into a potential strength down the road in the uh, chase for single digit handicap uh, area codes here. Huss. Never but, mind. Just uh, about driving yourself crazy because exactly, you make two exactly. great shots and then three putt <laughs> from five feet. Pretty simple. Um, yeah, thanks yeah. for doing this, man. Have a great weekend. Yeah. Cheers. Thanks for having me. And uh, we'll look forward to talking next week. You got it. All right. Uh, good stuff with Kenny marble still to come. We're going to be talking to hacks on just a minute, but pay attention when Remus puts in the uh, in the uh, the prompt, you can start. Uh, we can start uh, registering for that. But um, banjo bowl tomorrow, folks. You have your tailgate uh, gear ready to go, and by gear, I mean little brown jug, few generics, few 1919s, a cooler, a bunch of ice. It's pretty much all you need, along with some great eats. Pop by the little brown jug down on William Avenue if you want to taste them all. And of course you can get little Brown jug just in time for the banjo bowl anywhere that sells great beer and looking forward to seeing all of you brainiacs at little Brown jug next Wednesday for our sports trivia night and a huge shout out to our friends at Aikens Lake wilderness lodge as they finish up their season. If you're thinking about a world-class fishing getaway where you can be on the water in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg Aikens is the spot Find out more on the Aikens experience at AikensLake.com or hit our pal Pitt up on X at Aikens Lake. All right, one game in the books, 271 to go, and our first regular season NFL notebook with Lee Hacksaw Hamilton begins now. Saw the Chiefs dead last in the NFL, 0-1 on the season after a loss to the Detroit Lions. Kind of a crazy game uh, last night. There was lots to get to, but uh, I don't know. What did you think of Kadarius Toney, his performance last night? Nice to chat with you. I can sense this lead-in that you're not real happy. In fact, I'm kind of surprised you even showed up for work today. Hey, you know what? You got to take the wins and the losses. As I said, I'd rather lose the first one than the last one. But... um, Someone was there for the taking, even without Chris Jones, even without Travis Kelsey. But it was uncharacteristic. I mean, about as some as egregious mistakes as you'll see that actually ended up sinking Kansas City last night to the upstart Lions. Well, let me just give you a kind of a, a broad stroke here of reaction. I uh, thought it was kind of a sloppy game. Did not think that Kansas City did a really good job running their routes. There are there three to four pass patterns where guys are in the same zone or crisscrossing right in front of each other. And that, that's a byproduct of young receivers. So they're going to tighten the screws on discipline to run routes. They did get guys open, and Mahomes got the ball there, and they dropped him. Or they turned their head or clanked off their hands. Uh, I, I thought the receivers really played war. They just was not a crispness that we would normally see in the routes and the passing game. Not having Kelsey there is probably a piece of the equation. And I just wonder, not having Eric Bieniemy there, because he rides those players really hard in practice. You go ask Washington commander players about what it's been like life with Bieniemy the first couple of months. You know, so maybe there's a little bit of a change in the approach to what they teach and how hard they're on their guys. But I think it's a one-off. At the end of the day, there's still 16 more of these to go. Mahomes, you know, he put the ball where he had to, and none of the kids made the catch. 
Also wonder in retrospect, if you look back at the makeup of the roster, Andrew, is there a problem? They let Juju Schuster-Smith go to uh, New England. You know, that's a veteran guy. They don't have a lot of, quote, veteran wideouts in that collection of speed and skill guys. So maybe you have to, in retrospect, look back and say, hmm, was that not the correct roster structure the way it should be? We'll tell you this. Pass catching was poor. It was a damn line judge. How can Juwan Taylor? There's a re- there's a report at this hour. He was either offside, lined up wrong, took an early step back, or rocked on 46 different plays. 46, and they threw one penalty flag at the end. After the NFL ref on TV, their analyst said, "Oh yeah, those are penalties." How the hell could that stuff not be called right from the first series on? And and yet Aiden Hutchinson just created all kinds of havoc. So I thought I thought the NFL officiating the line judge play was just really poor. But end of the day, it only counts as one loss. Uh, you know, whether or not Kelsey's ready to play next week in Jacksonville, that's a question mark. I do think that they will get uh, Chris Jones back in there. The fact he was in uh, the owner's box leads me to believe that they'll slam dunk this thing pretty doggone quickly. And he'll be back and then. The Chiefs will be back, and it's only one loss. Uh, Lee, uh, you know what? 16 teams are going to win this weekend. 16 will lose, but I think the biggest winner of week one, win or lose on the field, has got to be Joe Burrow. Uh, And Joe Burrow's agent, an NFL record contract. We knew this was coming, uh, but holy smokes, 275 by five. The price for elite quarterbacking continues to skyrocket. Well, every guy gets more than the last guy got. That works everywhere in the NFL and probably in Major League Baseball. Not so much in sports talk radio in our industry. <laughs> but but uh, phenomenal. And they can afford to pay it. And I will tell you that Joe Burrow is the difference between the Bengals being a Super Bowl-type conversation franchise versus being the Cincinnati Bungles of decades upon decades. So uh, he, this kid earned it. My biggest fear, in fact, you know, if we do division by division before we're done with this news call, um, I don't think Cincinnati's going to win the division. Even though Joe Burrows were just quarterback in the league and he's had all the success, I think the division's going to be very, very different. I'm really concerned. Can they keep him upright? Will he get hurt again? Because he's had two major injuries now in about a four-year span because they can't protect him. So he earned this money. Mike Brown finally has started to spend the kind of money on superstars. Do they have enough around the quarterback? Big burning question to me. Well, hey, speaking of the Bengals, let's get to a couple of the top games on the weekend. And uh, I'll be honest, I think this NFL or the uh, AFC North is going to be, I mean, just like a battle royal of four competitive teams throughout the year. And I'll be honestly, I'm actually, I think, leaning towards the two home underdogs at home this week, the Cleveland Browns against Cincinnati and the Pittsburgh Steelers at home to the San Francisco 49ers. They're both two to two and a half point uh, underdogs at home. But um, touch on your thoughts on both of those games and a couple really intriguing matchups uh, in the AFC North to get the uh, season going. I just wrote on a website, my one man's opinion column today. I did my whole NFL preview. And on my podcast, we did an hour-long look at every division. AFC North, I think, is the best division in football. But, you know, Cincinnati, Cleveland... Kevin Stefanski has to win this year because if he's not, he's probably the number one coach on the NFL hot seat. Deshaun Watson has now had the full offseason in Cleveland to digest everything with a playbook. And that's a pretty good football team. 
run with Nick Chubb, throw it to Sean Watson, catch with Amari Cooper and the collection of young guys. And they got Miles Garrett and I think pretty good defense. Only negative in Cleveland. Their secondary just seems to have so many young guys and they're all hurt all the time. Uh, Cincinnati, they spent a lot of money to get Orlando Brown at left tackle, got him from Kansas City. Uh, but do they have enough on the right side of the offensive line to protect Joe Burrow? And Kansas City had a really young defense, and they really played through the roof last year. But can they repeat that again? And there's no margin for injury error because there's no depth in Cincinnati. So Cleveland's got to win. Uh, and and if, if this turns out to be a 500 season or maybe not even a playoff season, I think Stefanski's in big, big jeopardy. The Pittsburgh game is fascinating to me. Uh, I mean, you you got San Francisco, which mauls you on offense and mugs you on defense. And you got Pittsburgh, which just plays slow ball, just pound it and take the ball away. Uh, it's not, I don't think it's going to be a picturesque game. Uh, San Francisco, I think, is really good. Pittsburgh has made strides. And, you know, the unique thing, they've gone through rebuilding twice now in Mike Tomlin's era, Andrew. He's never had a losing season. Last year, they dug themselves out of a really bad hole. I just don't know in today's modern-day NFL that Pittsburgh's got the firepower to beat what a lot of these other teams in a league are going to be. And in terms of, of San Francisco, they got every ingredient. They got wideouts. They got the superstar tight end. They obviously got CMC, McCaffrey, who most complete running back in the league. They got brute strength up front, terribly tough defense. I just think San Francisco's got every component. Whether Brock Purdy holds up over a 17-game schedule coming off the brace surgery remains to be seen. But they do have, I think, a real good insurance policy, Sam Darnold. And he must think, as a backup quarterback, he's died and gone to heaven. He's never been on a team, not with the Jets and not in Carolina, been on a team with this kind of firepower, this kind of talent. So I got San Francisco winning their first game. And Cleveland could beat Cincinnati, and Stefanski has to win games in Cleveland. You know, when you look at the top games, I mean, it's easy to sort of focus in on the AFC, but there's a reason why. It seems like it's, you know, a much stronger conference. And two of the more intriguing teams, to me, Lee, are going head-to-head on Sunday in the Miami Dolphins taking on the L.A. Chargers, who, of course, were last seen blowing that 27 nothing lead in the playoffs to the Jacksonville Jaguars. How do the Chargers come back after that to start off the season? And what do you make of this matchup against Tua and the Dolphins? I think from the Miami standpoint, can they keep Tua upright? He spent the entire offseason mentoring with Michael Vick. And at the end of the day, Michael Vick told him, stop running. Get the ball out of there quick. Dive, take a knee, don't take a hit so you come back to make the next play. We'll see if, if that message got delivered to his brain. Because he's had two significant injuries in Miami, and of course prior to that, he had two significant injuries in Alabama, and he's one big concussion away from maybe being dry docked as an NFL quarterback. Now, that being said, uh, they've spent the whole offseason doing shotgun three-step drop ball out of there real quick. And they got the ball to people. They got Tyreek Hill, and they got Jalen Waddell, and they got multiples of running backs. I, I think they're going to be a dynamic team, but he has to change his style of play a little bit. So there's longevity as to how long he can stay in the game. I think Miami's defense is really good. Chargers, new era. New guy calling the shots. Um, I think Kellen Moore is a real bright light as an offensive coordinator. And I think Justin Herbert is one of the brightest light quarterbacks in the NFL. Miss a 4.1 grade point quarterback coming out of Oregon, who is now, get this, Andrew, he's 
gone through six different coordinators in six years, which means learning six different playbooks in language. And I struggled in French, and I know you can't speak bleeping German. You think about that kid and what he's been able to consume intellectually and then produce on the field. I think their offense is really good. Um, I think the Charger offense with Justin Herbert, uh, the three wide receivers, the tight end, they had now have three running backs and a bunch of young studs in the offensive line. They all drafted, and now they're all starting for the first time ever together. I think this offense might be as good as the Charger offense that had Phillip Rivers, LaDainian Tomlinson, Antonio Gates that won all those years for Marty Schottenheimer. So I think they're really good offensively. I think their defense is suspect. I think depth is still a problem. But I think their whole theory is, that's Kansas City out there. We'll just go score 42. Well, you might need 42 because Kansas City might score 43 <laughs> on your defense. But I, I, I think the Chargers are a really legitimate team. Folks, head on over to LeeHacksawHamilton.com for a full breakdown of the upcoming week one in the National Football League and check the podcast for breakdowns of all the divisions. Um, but, Lee, just before we go, I do want to ask you about the Philadelphia Eagles. They're in New England on the road to take on the, the Patriots, who also find themselves in a really tough division. Are the, In your mind, are the Eagles the team to beat in the NFC? And uh, what do you make of their uh, road challenge in Foxborough Sunday afternoon? Jalen Hurts, meet Bill Belichick. That'll be fun to see how that whole situation works. I, I, I think the most intriguing thing about Philadelphia is, is the reality that they had a Super Bowl team and then they went into the draft and they added more guys on defense. I mean, they had a phenomenal draft and they got all these stud young guys to go with the veteran guys and you got Hurts. The running game is going to be a little bit different this year uh, because they went out and got D'Angelo Swift from Detroit as a free agent, let Miles Saunders go. But they got every component covered and have the experience of what they accomplished last year. And in terms of New England, and I just talked about Stefanski being on the hot seat, if this does not turn out to be a playoff season in New England, and Belichick is 24-25 and 25 since Tom Brady left, Belichick might not be long for staying in Foxborough because that owner wants to win and that owner can get impatient. Now, that being said, um, I'm going to be interested to see the link-up between the quarterback, Mac Jones, and the, the return of Bill O'Brien as offensive coordinator. I love the Patriots back seven. I mean, they draft kids and, and they develop. And they're, they're, you look at depth chart, their cover corners and their safeties uh, in Foxborough are really good. But uh, Philadelphia is elite. Philadelphia, San Francisco are the two elite teams in the NFC, just like I think Kansas City, uh, maybe the Chargers. And I, I'll tell you what, I think the Baltimore Ravens have to be feared because they've changed a lot of persona things on the offensive side of the football. Those are the three best, I think, in the AFC. Lee, this is awesome. I cannot wait for kickoff. Um, now that I don't have to worry about the Chiefs game, although it did not go well. Uh, but, man, it's great to have the NFL back. And uh, as I say, I know people will get over to uh, LeeHacksawHamilton.com and see what's up right now. And knowing you, being the workhorse you are, there'll probably be more stuff added as we get closer to Sunday, probably some college football tomorrow, I'd imagine. Oh, we got that to talk about. We're in the middle of a baseball pennant race, and teams around me are all collapsing in Major League Baseball. And we've got hockey camps are about to open about a week from now with all the rookie preview uh, tournament games. Uh, there's always a lot going on. And by the way, sidebar comment. I've seen the video. Oh, weebs. Not to leave his day job. <laughs> Believe me. He's coming around. The He'd been playing very well, but the putting... 
I told him straight up to his face while we were golfing at one point, Ken, that might be the worst putt I have ever seen anybody hit. And uh, he had the uh, he had the yips, but he's working hard. He's back, and uh, it's good to see it because I think it was taking a very mental toll on Ken not being able to putt properly all season. I don't have to worry about 84s because I know my limitations. Don't go near anything unless it's miniature golf. (laughs) You're the best, Lee. Have a great weekend. Enjoy week one. We'll talk to you next week. Have a great sports weekend to all your friends up in Winnipeg. Thanks, Andrew. Good stuff. There is the man himself, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. All right, we're getting up to 3 p.m. Marbles registration continues to be open. Exclamation mark marbles in the chat. If you're new, just do it. It's a lot of fun. You'll have a chance to win one of our Winnipeg Sports Talk hoodies from our friends over at Shipham and Associates. Um, so we'll go last call on marbles, though I will get to the cool bet lines in a minute. As we just saw Ken doing his uh, his putting work uh, out at Breezy Bend. And, of course, Breezy Bend's got a great practice facility as well, in addition to all those great programs for men, for women, for juniors. And, of course, it just keeps on getting better with those two new greens open this year. BreezyBend.ca, or give the clubhouse a call and ask for Corey Johnson and find out more about getting on the waiting list to become a member for the 2024 golf season over at Breezy Bend. All right, as uh, you get your final marble calls in, exclamation mark marbles, let's get over to the cool bet lines. Latest on the Banjo Bowl is that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have moved to nine-point favorites from being eight-and-a-half-point favorites throughout the week. The Edmonton Elks, two-and-a-half-point favorites in tomorrow's late game. And the Argos were ten-and-a-half-point favorites. They're now down to nine-and-a-half against the Montreal Alouettes in the kickoff game tomorrow at noon. And we do have a game tonight. It's the Ticats and the Red Blacks. It was at three, then went to four. It settled at three-and-a-half. Ottawa, three-and-a-half-point favorites over the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Of course, the full slate of NFL games are up. We made our picks today for the first time in the Lock Shop. You can check out the Lock Shop pod wherever you get your favorites or get over to the uh, YouTube channel for it. But I'll just quickly point out a couple of the exclusives that we put together. We've got the Lock Shop Partner Parlay, and we adjusted a couple of the numbers. We got Cleveland instead of a two. We got them to plus three and a half. We got the Steelers instead of plus two to three and a half. So we're getting three and a half points for both Cleveland and Pittsburgh at home. And then the Jags minus five and a half taking on the Indianapolis Colts. That one's got a nice boost of plus 515. And then I did put together a ride with Huss. Three other games that I like. Atlanta minus three and a half. Tampa plus five and a half at Minnesota. And the Dolphins getting an extra half point plus three and a half against the Chargers. That one is up under Ride With Us at plus 650. It's all in the Cool Bet exclusives. And um, yeah, just click on the lock shop. They'll be there for you. Dusty will have a ride with Dusty, who nailed his last night with the Lions. Goff over 225, St. Brown over 60, and a David Montgomery touchdown. So while I was disappointed that it didn't go the Chiefs' way, and I did not come out on top. It was a great night in the lock shop for everyone that rode with Dusty for the Lions. Uh, don't forget, if you haven't played a cool bet before, take advantage of the Winnipeg Sports Talk welcome bonus. If you On your first deposit, 
100% bonus up to 200 bucks and a great season opening offer that's there until Sunday for you. If you're already someone that's bet at Cool Bet before and you want to do a little reload going into the season, uh, they've got a $50 bonus or a 100% match up to 50 bucks. All you got to do is use the promo code NFLRL23. Put in 50, get an extra 50. I did it last night, and I got it locked in on a couple of those parlays that we fired up in the exclusives. All right. Great stuff. Nothing like week one. Everyone's in first place. Well, except for the Chiefs, actually, who are now in last place after losing last night. All right. Um, let's, uh, let's get Remo back in here and, uh, Remo, I guess we've got some last minute, um, last call, I guess for marbles before we get to it. We have 216 people in the marble race, but only 180 uh, people have liked. We got to get that ratio closer to one to one. So we're approaching 10 K subs. We're trying to get there. So yes, hit the red. I think it's blue now. I don't care what color it is. That button below. Help us get to 10K. We're, we're putting in an effort. Check out a video from this week with you and Marat talking about young stars, players to watch. Also talking about uh, you and Neil Pionk yesterday. That needs a couple more views, so check those, uh, check those out. Yeah, it's all there over at the YouTube channel. And yes, to win, to be eligible for our beautiful WST hoodie for winning the marble race you do have to be subscribed to the YouTube channel. So how about you do that right now? And while you're at it, hit that thumbs up. Thank you. We're up to 198. We should be at 200 very shortly, although there's 216 of you in the marble race. So come on, like, let's let's get those thumbs up and subs. And of course, tell a friend. And again, if you've been doing something else and you just popped in for the marble race, if you click on that link right at the top, we did launch a Winnipeg Sports Talk four-game pack for the upcoming Jets season with the Kings game, Oilers, Leafs, and Flames. Amazing response, uh, to say the least, through the first couple days. So uh, tell your friends. If you're with a business you want to get a couple seats to join us, it's going to be real fun. And we'll be doing little WST get-togethers in the bar just outside Section 316, before the games with early entry for everyone with the passes and the tickets all come with a beer, a drink, a pop, or a water. So um, click on that link, check it out. Would love to uh, get as many of you hanging with us for what should be four really fun nights up in the 300s in my favorite section in the arena, section 316. All right, well, we've done last call for marbles. It's about time to get back to it. Um, Remus, we can't do marbles, though, without the one and only Tristan Rivers music. And uh, I think we definitely should go with the uh, with the Jimmy Buffett theme. I don't think that, I think it's it's, the, it's Christopher it's, Cross. OK, it? yeah, that one. Well, it, it's got a Jimmy Buffett thing. feel. Sure. Exactly. That's fair. Maybe that's we fair. go with that one today. All right. Um, and yeah, sure. Evan Hunter says just on that uh, Jets deal, he says nearly. Sold out. We've sold a lot, you know, since you announced it yesterday, and sold a lot uh, this morning, and even during the show. I'm well, blow, blown away. I love by the it. Response I love it. That. I cannot wait. We appreciate the response, but trust me, we'll find more seats. 
Um, so, I mean, th that's the best problem to have. I know we were reserved four rows right off the bat. And if those are out, maybe we'll get into 317. I mean, we'll have it all in that corner. Everyone will be able to join us. So, uh, anyways, get on that. And if you're listening to the podcast or you haven't seen, you can go to winnipegsports.com. There's a link. Or just put in winnipegjets.com slash WST. And it'll take you there. And uh, all the information's there. Cannot wait to see you all as we welcome Pierre-Luc Dubois back to the peg on the 17th of October for our first game. Yeah, before I hit the music, I don't have the list of everyone who's in, but I know Running Man in chat wrote that he was he bought a ticket. So shout out Love it. Uh, to Running Man. Oh, Hockey Mom said she's, she's in. She was at the Gold Eyes game. Yes, Hockey Mom, right on. That's great. So, man, we've got a crew here for this. This should be fun. Anyway, I'm just going to be so fun. All right, let's hit the music, Tristan Rivers music, and then it is Marbles time. Marbles back on WST. A great, great intro. That's one, actually one of my favorite ones. All right, it's Marvel's time. Anyone new? I, we always assume that everyone's done this a bunch of times. We should always be cognizant that there are probably people that have just found the channel. This is how we finish the uh, week. Every week, with the exception of last week when Remus was away, with a marble race. Everyone that entered but put in exclamation mark marbles is going to have a marble. The winner will get the coveted. WST version of the Masters Green Jacket, the blue Winnipeg Sports Talk hoodie from uh, our pal Shippy over at uh, Shipman Associates. All right, Commissioner Remus, where are we going today? Where? Yeah, uh, what, what, two, what track? We got 220 entrants, Huss, and uh, shout out to Bridget uh, and Chad Bardo, who said she's also in uh, for the WST four game pack. Love it. Um, so that's pretty, that's Bridget's been a great supporter since day one coming out to everything. And yes. Obviously we can, uh, we'll chat out that we're going to be at fan fest. If you're looking for individual tickets for any particular game though, they are on sale today. Um, but Remo, let's fire this up. It's just sure. about the weekend. Do you want him to throw in people are asking for Marat's mom to be in? in the sure. Marat's mom can get Mar a marble and Strevler's definitely getting a marble for coming back into Winnipeg. And if he wins, we can deliver him the hoodie tomorrow sure. at the Princess Auto tailgate when he's signing autographs at 1.30. Okay. Also threw in uh, Neil Pionk and Randy Ambrosi. So if you missed those interviews, 
Uh, check him out earlier today or yesterday's show with a peon. Great chat, Marat. Speaking of Marat's mom, Marat giving you some great praise for Neil Pionk uh, on that uh, conversation yesterday. Oh, did he? Nice. Appreciate that. He as said, uh, he, I don't know. I, he said Neil Pionk's usually pretty calm, but he sounds really fired up for the season. Loved hearing, um, you know, tr- calling those guys who got traded. He's like, hey, I know what it's like going from New York mm-hmm. to Winnipeg, going L.A. to Winnipeg. Uh, and then also bringing the team together with fantasy football was... Well, next. come on. That's the... Uh, I mean, I, I, there's not... Like, listen, obviously when we have the, jo- the Jets on the show, we have the obligation to talk about the stuff that fans are interested in in the upcoming year. But um, to be perfectly honest, I just... I love asking the guys of what's happened behind the scenes and there's nothing like, just think of your friend group. There's nothing that gets the, gets everyone more riled up, contentious. I mean, than the fantasy season and everyone's fired up heading into week one of NFL. So we will, uh, we will do that. Speaking of which, just while Remus, while you get this all set up, I do want to add in one extra. Why not question of the day? Because I did just see a prediction of uh, of a big bomber ass kicking from SK. And I'll be honest, I'm kind of leaning that way. Um, but listen, the spread's at nine. Let me just ask you folks, yes or no, why not question of the day for not autocorp at Waverly and McGilvery? Shout out Trev and the gang. I know they'll be ready to go tomorrow. Do the bombers win the banjo bowl or the banjo bowl by double digits? So essentially this would be a cover on any point spread. I could see it potentially getting ugly. I think it could also be a close game, but I will say yes to that. Give us your score predictions in it and let us know whether they get it done by double digits. Um, All right, Remo, let's do this. All right, I'll bring it up. Dan Jets fan says he's uh, he's buying his tickets now. Right on, Dan. Yes, love it. Seen him at a bunch of events. Okay, this is the... This is the track here. Check out this All one. right. It's called Opposing Pleasing Marble. Interesting. So I, te- I tested it. Um, this is... Oh, let me just make sure that I put in the right the right track. I mean, the right um, names. I'm pretty sure I did. Let's see. I've got... But I can never be too sure. No. 224 total names. Yeah, they're all here. Right on. 50 burger. I love the 50 burgers in the chat. You know what? If the Bombers put up 50. Um, oh, look at Dan Jets fan. 50 burger. We have a burger emoji already. Perfect. Well, burgers in the chat on Monday if uh, if the 50 gets dropped. Hey, 97 points in their last two home games. Uh, anyways, before it's Banjo Bowl, before you go out and rip it up, getting ready for the game tomorrow, this evening, it's Marble's time on WST. Michael Remus, let's do it. Good luck to everyone, and uh, let's go with uh, Marble the first Marble race of September. In opposing, pleasing Marble's track. We going to start the race or what? Oh, hold on one sec. I did start it. For some reason, it's not showing up on your thing. That's a problem. Can't, let me uh, get out of this because you guys can't see. Let me get out of this. Something happened. No, we cannot see. It's it's very important. 
yeah, for this guys, operation to be on an up on the on the up and up. You know, we didn't do the marble race. I don't know why it's not going up here. Maybe it's the track. Although you did do the track before. Yeah, I'm not sure. It something froze here. But shout out to someone. Joey Panku said he's about to pull the trigger on a couple tickets, huh? So like this yeah, is Yeah, Panks. Yeah, Panks. Let's this go. Is, this is getting wild here. <laughs> I'm so excited for this. And the first game being the Kings game, PLD return. Come on. Okay, I don't know what happened. Something weirdo happened here with my thing. Let me try this one. Sorry. You'll see. We appreciate the patience sometimes. Okay, I know what it is. Yeah, we're good now. All right, perfect. Okay, here we go. We're doing the opposing. Oh, look at that. It's even in the favorites. 224. Here we go. Friday afternoon, Banjo Bowl weekend edition of the WST Marble Race. Good luck to everyone who will be the victor. There's only one way to know, and that is to start the race. Here we go. By the way, special shout out to my friend Amanda. Nice to see you in here for the marble race today. Just making new WS tiers. One, uh, one new person at a time. Amanda, all-star on the show. All right, let's go here. This is wild. We got 224 marbles, and they're all in a little bit of a tornado formation. It looks like uh, Rob Mahoney, of all people, is in first place. Lynn Reimer is in the mix. Jason Jett's quite there. Lynn Reimer leading, though. There's Missing Monk. Jano Phyllis, T. Will. Oh, this is a wild. What do we call this thing, Remus? An orb? I don't know. A, hamster? a spinning orb? I don't know what it is, but... Some sort of a wheel. Look at Hockey Mom take the lead. This looks like an x-ray. This, yeah, it's kind of see-through. It's like going down a spinal uh, spinal cord right now. Hockey mob. Oh, Brady. What's up, Brady? Game over WPG. Season right around the corner. Brady is looking good. Bozeman. Shorn. How's it going? Shorn with a nice one. Pig City Dudes also in the mix. Uh, but Brady right now from Game Over Winnipeg. SDPN is in first place, leading Hockey Mom, Bozeman, Peg City Dude, and Marat's Mom. Marat's Mom is in the mix, but Brady is in first place. Marat's Mom trying to track him down. Will it be? This is going to come right down to it. This is another one of these spinning orbs. What is next? Who is going to come out first? Anything can happen. On WST Marbles. Who's getting out first? Oh my God, Chris Streveler! Streveler wins! <laughs> Chris Streveler has won the marble race with Marat's mom in second <laughs> and Brennan W third. Okay, that a couple times we have uh, an added marble has won. It's too many times lately. It's crazy. That's the first time ever that added marbles have been one and two. That's true. Good God. Streveler himself, the great Chris Streveler, back in Winnipeg for the Banjo Bowl. 
And I guess we now have to bring him a hoodie at uh, at the at the tailgate party. <laughs> You're gonna have to present him with one, I think. I, He's gonna be there. No you have to go about up. it. Gonna get to present him one. Give him a take a picture. As Joey says, greatest moment in Marvel race history. We're gonna have to find Strev and, and get him and get the picture of the Marvel race as well. That was awesome. That was awesome. Um, third place is Brennan W. Brennan, because you were the top non-added marble, we'll hook you up uh, as well. So send us an email, winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com with your size and uh, get back to you next week and we can set up a time for you to come in. But uh, I'll tell you what, man, the vibes are high going into Banjo Bowl weekend. Just the fact that Strevler is here, but I, I don't know. Some people are superstitious, some people not. I tend to be. All I can say is that Strevler winning the marble race has to be an amazing omen for tomorrow's show. I can't say anything other than bombers by a million if Strevler wins it. Strevler, <laughs> yeah, Strevler won the marble race. Uh, yeah, bombers by, by a million. I'm, I will agree with that. Definitely a sign. Uh, it can only mean complete domination over Saskatchewan. Oh. <laughs> Folks, I uh, uh, hope to see many of you at the game tomorrow. Um, sold out. Uh, the anticipation for this one's been building for the entire week, but this game's been sold out for a month. Um, you know, it was fun talking to Randy Ambrosi earlier. You can just see how, um, how huge this is for the Canadian Football League as this rivalry continues to get out and, and grow um, shout out to the Ryder fans that make the uh, make the trip. Uh, it's going to be a real fun weekend. Obviously, everyone have fun. Be kind to each other, even if you're giving some gentle ribbing to the other squad. And they'll probably be doing that before the game because of the win last week. After the game, I have a feeling it'll be the other way around. But uh, man, can't wait for it. I will see you there at the stadium in the North End for those of you that are at the game and. Uh, Remo, then a full slate of NFL on Sunday. And not that I'm in a hurry to get to Monday, but I'm kind of already looking forward to Monday's show. Talking Banjo Bowl, talking NFL, and being that much closer to the Jets' Young Stars tournament with the uh, roster release today. Yeah, I agree. I was also just thinking about uh, Monday's show, uh, how great it's going to be to recap the Banjo Bowl if the Bombers do, in fact, win by a million points, which is clearly <laughs> happening now that Chris Traveler won. The bomber and also the bomber, not the the marble race. And also, yeah, uh, NFL week one. We're getting closer to some players in Winnipeg Jets jerseys uh, on the ice in games. That is the Young Stars tournament in Penticton, which will be streamed at winnipegjets.com. So uh, a lot going on here. This is fun. Certainly was. Oh, there's Mary Jane throwing the dubs up in the chat. Mary Jane, you have an awesome weekend and well done on a nice marble race. Um, And yeah, let's get the pod up. The weekend's officially here. Banjo Bowl, 3 p.m. tomorrow. Hopefully we'll see you there, folks. Have an awesome weekend. Again, check out winnipegjets.com slash WST for more information on that pack. Thanks to everyone that's bought them. Cannot wait to see all of the games this year. And uh, next week, we'll be getting together for those that got tickets before it sold out. WST Sports Trivia at Little Brown Jug. For Michael Remus, I'm Huss. Have an awesome weekend, folks. We'll see you on Monday on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Thanks 
for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.